Uh, Martin's no, really going for the intellectual look today, isn't he? He's finally looking his I, age. On that meme, if you see this guy <laughs> put on a guitar at the hardcore show, then you're about to get ruined in the pit. <laughs> are they your glasses or are you just... Yeah, I stopped them from work. I'm long-sighted, so I, I, I put them down so I can see you guys. And then when I, Got very fun. When I have to read, I have to put these on uh, to read small writing. I'm nearly 50. Does that mean when you have a wank, your cock's blurry? Well, this is the thing. This is the thing. It's like, do I, do I look, look, look at the hub through lens or through normal eyes? Because I love milfs. When I'm looking at the hub, I'm like, I, you can see the wrinkles better through the glasses. <laughs> Ah, I need to stop drinking rum. I'm on rum still. I decided right. to have my new favourite cocktail, which I discovered on New Year's. Rum and Monster. <laughs> rum and Monster. <laughs> oh, I bet that's good. Oh, nice. I'd, prob I'd probably really enjoy that. Well, welcome to all the cacophants out there. It's time for the seventh and final offering of the fourth season of the audiovisual secretion that we call the Cacophony Sessions. My name's Dan Whittle, sometimes known as Golden End of Days Pump, and here to add another list to the best albums of 2023 internet discourse that's been ongoing for the last month, we're going to throw our favourite ten onto the pile as well. As usual, we've individually ranked our favourite three albums each by scoring them out of 10 and tonight we'll be revealing our collective top 10 bringing their thoughts into the ring for this evening's cacophony sessions are tom a candle stuck in a wine bottle apparently doesn't cut it anymore now for a special night you have to have class a drugs and fisting <laughs> oh i think keeping it pg oh you got that angle <laughs> alex sorry want to touch my shirt it's made of boyfriend material Oh. Yeah, that's why I want That's why I want Silence. I feed off your silence. Martin? Uh, hi, I'm Martin, and it's a small world, but I wouldn't want to paint it. Oh my god, I'm going to miss that so much. <laughs> Can I put my tombstone? Hi, I'm Martin. Hi, Martin. <laughs> and finally, making his return, it's Jim. If time is a drug, then Big Ben is a huge needle injecting it into the sky. <laughs> What's the reference to? <laughs> it's like or everything I say on this, from Brass Eye or uh, the day-to-day. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Chris Morris. Hey. Who? Chris Morris. Yes, he is. He's so I, I made my girlfriend sit through Four Lions yesterday morning while we were both really hungover. Good voice. <laughs> Four Lions is fast. great, man. I, I wonder what he's up to. He, it's he great. Done anything for a while, and it's a shame. I, I, the last really cool thing he did for me was the Nathan Barley he did with Charlie Brooker, which totally nailed a wow, person that would listen to the stuff that Tom listens to. <laughs> yeah, Nathan it's, Barley's brilliant, yeah. but he did four lines after that, so yeah, it's yeah, definitely not the last great after. thing he did. As it's the last regular Cacophony Sessions podcast, I'm going to have a go at a one-liner. Oh, so, no. Somebody introduce me, go on. Now your host, Daniel Whittle. Why isn't Emu <laughs> on TV anymore? Why is Emu not on TV anymore, Dan? 
because he's ostrich sized. Oh, for fuck's sake. I <laughs> mean, you could have had that for four years. You could have had that. A little bit of space in my mind that I didn't need for that to happen. But Any, no, Anyway, has. we're not very good at jokes, but we can be quite good at picking songs that are quite good. So let's have a final round of Does It Slap? Don't you hate a podcast where the jingles are crap? So let's take a good song and ask Does It Slap? And everyone's going to have a go. So who wants to go first? I'll go first. Oh, I'll, I'll go first. No, no, James. Martin no, can go James first. Can go first. Go on, James. But no, Martin, no, you, James, go, you first. go first. <laughs> All right. James, go for it. Fine. There's a little song called Where the Slime Live. Why are you putting <laughs> on my list again? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not nominating that. But the, the song I'm nominating... I always forget about this song. And then when the dance happens around Christmas and New Year, it, it's Stephen Bunting's entrance music. And it's an absolute fucking banger. It is Titanium by David Guetta. Yes. That's quite It's an tune, undeniable actually. banger. Is, yeah, with Stia. It's oh, a great God. tune. Yeah, actually, I'm not going to stop that. No, I'm going to accept, I'm going to accept <laughs> it because it's, it's, yeah, it's going to get your, your self-confident levels to where they need to be, whatever situation you're in. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Welcome to the Undeniable Bangers list of David Guetta. Uh, shout out to his family. I'm, I'm going to nominate something. It's not going to get in, but it's really important. So Lewis, one of my closest friends who is a listener of the show. <laughs> no. No, Lewis, no, uh, I'm not going to say a surname. He's a friend of mine called Lewis, and him and I used to go drinking every Friday night after I finished college. I'd turn up at his house, we'd drink a bottle of rum between two of us and go to White Rabbit down at the what used to be the bus station in Plymouth. Every night, one of our pre-drinking songs was a track called The Modern Lapper by Frightened Rabbit, and... To be fair, Frightened Rabbit, everything they've done is great, but I'm nominating The Modern Lapper because it is my drinking oh, song. Boy. Fantastic song. It's amazing. No, it's, I love that yeah, band. I, 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 just I, I, I can't pass it. it. I okay. both like it and hate it in equal measure. I really, really like the song on its own terms, but it just screams top-not, top-ness hippie dude to me. It just I, I can't get past that. I can't get past that. the open mic night thing. But it's a great, it's, yeah, it's, it's, a great not, song. No. it's beautifully produced. And I think the chords that are used as well are very clever and very interesting. But it's just, I think it might be his voice. His voice just screams woolly hat, acoustic guitar, party. I'm going to play Wonderwall for you all and you're going to love it. And nobody <laughs> loves it. And it's a duality for me, that song. <laughs> So I don't know. I'm, I always found the previously you know average. And let's you know be honest, I, I'm, I'm going to the worst band of all time. I'm going to accept it. Fighting Rab is a bad band name. It's a really shit band name, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Fighting would be better than Fighting Rabbits, wouldn't it? Like Fighting Ox. That's better, isn't it? I, I quite like that name. Fighting Helicopter. That's better. Like <laughs> rubbish, isn't it? I'm accepting it. Yeah, I'm accepting it. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go hard. I'm going to say, I don't hate it. It's like a 6 out of 10 for me. Exactly. It's not. Undeniable. It's, it's deniable. It's a deniable banger. It's deniable. Denied. Yeah. <laughs> Denied. Who's next? I'm going to go I've next. got a list of like 10, because I wasn't sure if we were doing loads or not. And now Give us one. a couple. Could do one. one. We thought we were doing loads for the last yeah, one. Just All right, fuck one. it. Number one, Limp Bizkit Break Stuff. Yes, that's in. That's yeah. Anger. Yeah, all right. Easy. 
Yeah. You leave like a biscuit. Yeah, go on. <laughs> My God. It, it, it had to happen eventually. It's like the one, as I've mentioned on this show before, it's like the one Limp Biscuit song that actually has the energy levels that match the immaturity of the band. And it's not trying to be something it's not. So, yeah, it's good. It's got a great video. F- okay, Corn, Blind. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Deep okay. Purple, Child of Time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's easy. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, really. Yeah, no, it's been denied. It's been denied. That's easy. Judas okay. Priest breaking the law. No. Yes. All right. Ramones. Yeah, anything no. they've ever made. Yes. Pet Cemetery. Oh, no, Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery is my favourite. We'll go Pet Cemetery. Oh, yeah. you can have Pet Cemetery. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No. Right. Denied. <laughs> Slayer, Raining Blood. No. Yes. Yes. Cypress yes. Hill, Dr. Green Thumb. Yes. Yeah. No, yeah. Okay, controversial one. Post Malone, Rockstar. Yes. No. no. Never heard it. Smash your I don't know it. Zero. Nope. Absolutely yes. 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 Okay. I can't. If I don't know it, it's, it's a no. no. It doesn't matter. Okay, no. Right, guys, should we just suck off this whole album of the year stuff and just do this for the rest of the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put it forward just so people at home can listen to it. Uh, you're going to say you haven't heard it. Power Trip, Executioner's Tax. My favourite yes. no. uh, ever at the moment. Amazing. And to finish it off, Morbid <laughs> Angel, Where Does Slime Live? Yes. Come. Come on. Everyone. Yeah. Come. After this length of time, it's got to yes, go it on. Has. No. It's been, it's been referenced so many times, and this is the last episode, so we've got to put yeah. it off. It's, it's, on, it's on in spirit already, really. Isn't yeah, it? It's yeah. on in spirit already. It's been referenced in every episode. <laughs> no, it's making its own list. The list of songs that aren't good enough to be on the undeniable bangers called the deniable right, bangers. Right, that's it. I'm stopping my go. own list from this. Okay, there's going to be a little <laughs> segment. It's going to be called Owl's List, and it'll just be my playlist. Owl's List. Anyway, all right. Yeah. That's me done. I'm going to have a go and nominate Pantera, Walk. Yes, absolutely. I mean, yes, I fucking love Pantera. Pantera. Yeah. Cowboys from Hell is... Yes. Cowboys from Hell is a better album, but Walk is... Cowboys from Hell is a better song. Not the example of a of band's best song. It's a song that the most people are That's likely true. to be on board. Yeah, it's, yeah. So it's I, when we think about, walk, when we think about I, I thought it was just a song walk, that we all thought was a play in a nightclub. You can play walk in a nightclub yeah. and people like it. It's a, it's a accessible tune. It, it's an undeniable banger. It really is. Agreed. I'm not denying it's it. It's beautiful. I'm just saying Cowboys from Hell is better. Far Driven is the best album with like songs like I'm Broken yeah. in five minutes alone. But, yeah, I love that album. I want to be happy. I take the last album. The first three Pantera albums. Just just to put a little bit of context here, Walk by Pantera, because I had to just quickly remind myself, is like three hundred over three hundred and fifty million listens on yeah. Spotify. Cowboys from Hell, we're saying it might not be that well known comparatively. It's still at two hundred and eighty six million listens on Spotify. I think both of them are quite I mean, well Cowboys known. Cowboys from Hell. Well, yeah. Hell. I have no problem with other than the maybe pinball map by In Flames is the best riff of all time. And Martin, what's your last okay, one? Okay, so in standard Martin eighties post punk mode, I'm going for Our Front Electric by the Two Boy Army. Gary Newman. Yes. Yeah. All right. It's got to go in there. It's yeah. a fucking. It's 
Perfect. In every I'll allow way. it. I've never heard that at all, but because it's the last episode, why not? It doesn't matter. Why? It's, you, Alex, Alex, you know it. And do you remember? Do you doesn't count. Um, Sugar Babes Freak Like Me, yeah? The synth not sign in that. You know it. You don't know it, but you definitely know it. Are the vocals real vocals, or is it just like... No. They're real vocals. Real it's real vocals yeah. it's all very real it's very old school mood synthesizers and it's very yeah. influential on the work of the likes of Nine Inch Nails it doesn't matter I'll say yes we've yeah. 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 got to fill the playlist we're not going to be doing this again until next year so we might as well fill that playlist up speaking of you yeah. can view all our playlists on not only Apple Music but Spotify now as well so if you go to cacophonysessions.com, I've updated most of the playlists. They're copied from both Apple Music and Spotify. Although there isn't one for this episode because it's about albums, you'll be able to go back and listen to some of the playlists that we've prepared for previous episodes. And we'll be continuing to do that because we do have more shows coming in the pipeline, but more on that in a bit. Now, you are probably wondering what did happen to our overrated episode and the end of season four. We have decided that we're going to hold Album of the Year 2023 as this, the last episode of season four, because this will be the last regular episode of the Cacophony Sessions, as you know it. Until next Album of the Year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, until yeah. next Album of the Year. We will get together every January to continue to bring you our thoughts on the albums that come out each year. But this doesn't mean the end of the podcast throughout the year, far from it. Starting next month, we will be changing the way that we deliver content to you. So instead of one long, big podcast that comes along every two months or so, there will be multiple shows that we'll be doing more frequently, such as the Cacophony Sessions Goes Pop, in which Alex and I and potentially other familiar faces, Jim, I know you want to get involved as well, we'll be looking at the charts on a more regular basis. We'll be able to keep you up to date with our music news. Me and Tom are going to do cat news on a more regular basis as well. And again, the guys can show up on those episodes whenever they can. There is also going to be a non-music show that we're going to be starting with Dan B, who's not here tonight, but we're going to do a non-music show called Den Time. Haven't figured out the exact nature of how it's going to work, but only people called Dan will be allowed to appear on the podcast and we will be talking about a non-musical topic. So you, on that one it's it's going to end up being our guy, isn't it? Because you're not you're called, not called Dan. Dan. Just, <laughs> you not you've got your own show. It's, you're not called Dan. You have what to is my yeah, podcast? Why can you give him the top ten and listen to these kids' music? I want, I want, I want to talk about random shit, like which is the best Die Hard se- sequel? <laughs> With a vengeance, obviously. No, Double Two's... Ah, don't let me start. I've had this argument. Yeah, no, let's talk about on that. Me and Al spent a good four hours arguing about the merits of which is the best Die Hard film from last time. Saying. There we go. Robert Patrick, <laughs> come on. Yes. <laughs> Robert Patrick is a yeah. good call, but he's only in it for like five oh, seconds, so he's a minor character. He made his mark. Anyway. <laughs> sweet. He left the kids What this does mean is that you can subscribe to the Cacophony Sessions YouTube channel and you won't miss any of those shows when they do come. All the playlists and the old episodes will still be up for you to watch and listen to. I will now make available all the former Patreon exclusive episodes, so you'll be able to see the full-length versions for free on the YouTube channel. Instead, on the Patreon, what you'll be able to do is pay £5 a month, and you'll be able to participate in our monthly Q&A videos. So pay £5, you'll be able to ask a question every month. Or if you just want to support us so that we can continue to make this kind of content, just pay £3 and join. You don't get any benefits from it, but you can say you're part of the Cacophony Sessions, and that's cool. Go to cacophonysessions.com for all the links. 
And you can also check out my most recent Slamming 7 video in which I've covered Donny Hathaway. There'll be another one of those coming every month as well. Plus, That's all the cacophony. Plus, we have an extra fund as well. It's £5 a month to help me and James's hair transplants <laughs> to stop our hair receding <laughs> so far into the back of our skull. It starts eating away our back hair. So <laughs> I start feeling particularly well, but um, you can sort that out with an asteroid and minoxidil taken three times a day, and you'll end up with a slightly more luxurious mane. Yeah, if, if you see um, Will's hairline move in front of him about an inch, it's probably got hair plugs. He didn't tell anyone. So just what's his expensive what? shampoos run out, and it hasn't worked. This feels like we're segueing into what landscape advert. Just do what I do. When you, when you go to bed, do you have like a special gel in there? You have to wear a hair, like a hair net, like a shower no, chap on <laughs> It's not like sold folk in trading places. Yeah. Uh, you have to, like, to get the follicles going again. <laughs> no, I just lots of gel on my hair every 12 hours. And I take a finasteride tablet once a day. You need to. You've Marv from Home Alone hair going. Like it's... <laughs> gracefully agent and a Marv haircut. I think you should go for it. <laughs> that works. What I've been aiming for all this time. This is just no, Marv. Now, now you're a famous YouTuber. Why not just go Fantano? I'm not shave, sh- shave your head, man. Go Fantano, man. But we're too in Sweden. That, that's why. Because like, yeah, you can't be too similar to Fantano. I can't take his hair and his takes. Like uh, that's too much. <laughs> you're, you're, so, you're not, so you're I, not critical I, enough to be Fantano. We got to be in a position at the end of 2024 when they go, "Oh, we, the guy that talks rubbish on YouTube. What do you mean, the bald guy with a mustache, or the balding <laughs> guy who doesn't have a mustache? That's what we need to be. All of choice in this Sven Grenarsson hairline. We look at it. Look at if I shave my forehead. Real. <laughs> I'm in the opposite boat where my hairline at the front is still fine, but up on top, it's a fucking disaster. But I'm, I'm, a cap. Yeah, I might I'm approaching be. 50 and I have a full head of hair. I know. I'm, I'm going to let you sit with that. I'm going to let you sit with that. Yeah, that's all that is. boring. So, no, <laughs> I'm just trying to bring it down the peg, you sexy git. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bit, of news, a bit of news about the podcast and what, what our plans are going forwards. But let's uh, let's let's do some individual digging. Shall we? Uh, who wants to go first? What we've been doing? Oh, yeah. I'll start with, so Martin and I, as everybody knows, play in a band called Foreign Voices. We have been booking up shows for the year. We will be playing potentially in a city near you. We've got gigs lined up. It'll all be, you'll be able to find out all about it on our Facebook page if you keep there. But we've got gigs in Bristol, London, Manchester, Blackpool. Like we've got gigs all over lined up this year, which is quite cool. But there's a new release I really want to talk about because it came out on Friday and it's a reissue. There's a band from the late 90s, early 2000s, who are one of my favourite bands who I always forget about. And it's a band called 90 Day Men. And they released three albums and like Peel Sessions and loads of EPs. And there's a reissue that's just been done with a like an oral history done by Tim Kinsella, who's the singer-guitarist from Joan of Arc, who also a really cool emo-ish band. And it's £88, and it has everything they've ever done on a five vinyl box with like, and it's really good. And I'm waiting for mine to arrive. And if you haven't heard of them, I think 90 Day Men today are like Van de Graaff Generator were in the 90s. They're like one of those bands that very few people who aren't musicians have heard of, 
but like people in some of the top bands would go, yeah, they're really important to how we sound Is it today. Kind of like how like, thinks the Pixies are good, or the Melvins. No, and, no, oh, and the Melvins ninety Day Men are, are, are very good. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> ninety Day Men are Panda Park is just. It's very out there what they're doing. It's piano led math rock from the early 2000s. But, like, a lot, one of the reviewers at the time, I think it was somebody like Pitchfork who instantly will turn the rest of you off because I don't always agree with Pitchfork. And they're gone honest, now. But... Pour one out. Yeah. Pitchfork have just been absorbed into GQ. What's a magazine? Yeah. Uh, Pitchfork described it as Pitchfork described it as the early 2000s Sgt. Peppers and they thought it was one of the most important albums ever made. Now, oh, admittedly maybe that's why Pitchfork had been absorbed by GQ, but it is a it's an absolutely beautiful album and it's really good and it's on vinyl now in a box set with all their other albums and all their other EPs for about the cost of a night out. Everybody buy it. Mine is on the way, and I'm really excited because it's it's going to be really good. And I'm selling the rest of my record collection, so keep an eye on eBay because my records collection is all coming up for sale because I realise I don't really listen to vinyl anymore. Also, please buy our band's EP on vinyl because I had to pay to get it pressed, and I need some money back, please. Before we move on to someone else, I've been meaning to say this, actually. Um, you, your band is called Foreign Voices, right? Do you find it weird there's not one foreign yep. person in your band and you're called Foreign Voices? That's like being called the Black Panthers. No, I'm Cornish. I'm from Cornish. I distinctly remember doing Latin lessons at school with Tom. Yeah, I did Latin I and, and, I, and I speak reasonable French. Ben but per. no re- the, yeah. no, the the reason why we're called foreign voices is not so much to do with nationality as to do with feelings of alienation. So looking at foreign, not just in the terms of national boundaries, like but in terms of Martin's feeling. Yeah, ex- absolutely. Martin is a foreign object. Um, <laughs> also, Al, can you stop stealing questions for when I actually do the interview with Foreign Voices at some point this year? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Won't be able to ask that one now. Oh, you Foreign Voices, you've got to start um, really like negative. So, Tom, you have shit music taste. How is your band good? <laughs> I, I'm just going to let you do it. I'll let you do that interview. Yeah. <laughs> you, um, it could be Tom I, and Al do a chat. Yeah, there you go. The, yeah, it's so we have a big cartel store. The link is on our Facebook page, which I'm I, like, we're on Instagram as well. Please don't ask me where that is. I'm not on Instagram. I have, I don't have social media, but uh, the links to the web store will be on all our social media. We're happy to ship anywhere in the world. So if you want a vinyl, buy one. And yeah, please, I'll put a link in the description below. Very good yes, band. thank Very you. Because I have a mortgage to pay. <laughs> this year's looking really stacked for releases already. Like, I'm really hyped. Chelsea Wolfe's new album's coming out in February, and the singles off that sound great. So, whereas last year was a bit of a cultural wasteland compared to 2022, as far as I'm concerned, this year is looking really stacked. Yeah, definitely check into CAC News because there's going to be lots of reviews. Uh, probably some very disappointing albums this year because I'm really hyped. So I'm ready to be very disappointed by lots of things. Um, yes, with me. Um, <clears throat> well, uh, yeah, with me. <laughs> um, I'm not really doing much. Like, all I do is just basically Hang all on, I do every year. News. What's that? You've yeah, got you've got some, some very news. big news. Oh, yeah, I've got big news. Yeah, I'm getting married. <laughs> Um, is that <laughs> for me? It's not even like being news for me. It's just now an expensive party I've got in two years. I don't know. I've been in this relationship <laughs> for eleven <laughs> years. It's just it is what it is. I've just got a big expensive party and a big stag to go to. 
which is fucking wicked. Everyone here's invited, <laughs> of course. Uh, not the listeners. That's it, less than class. I mean, I've, I've <laughs> tried to get more to it. I, I look forward to paying for it. That's going to be fun. Jesus <laughs> Christ. We went to a wedding fair today, and it's just like, oh, yeah, photographer. Like, £1,200. And then Claire's mum's going, oh, that's a good price, there. I'm like, to take photos? They've got the camera already. They drive to a venue, take photos, and hopefully dress, like, in a suit. I would talk. Claire's sister's wedding. The guy had tracky bees and trainers on. It drove me nuts all day. They have a nice ceremony. And this guy with fucking trainers on. Anyway, I'm ranting. If you want, I'll, I'll do it for free, but I'll turn it into a podcast I'll slash video. video but do you know how much they want just for a registrar? Just to turn up and marry you? It's 800 quid? Like, why? I, I was actually saying, like, I need to, like... Uh, to be fair, in secondary school, I think I offered a £1,000 and somebody still wouldn't turn up and marry me. I was me, literally so. Googling Quite yesterday, or how can you ordain ministers in the UK? And I'll just get James to do it because he's a qualified barrister. <laughs> Wait, how are those already. two things the same thing? It's 800 quid, James. I'm, I'm scrambling. <laughs> I'm like in that David Attenborough probe, you know, when that, that little rat's running across the field about eagle winding them up. That rat is my wallet, and the eagle is the fucking registrar. <laughs> <laughs> looking forward to getting um, married then. I'm, I'm looking forward to just a party, to be honest. It's, it's going to be a celebration of life together and life with my friends. It's going to be good. Um, need a new suit now. Music wise, I've been, all I do whenever we come to this time of year is I pick the three albums I want and then I spend the next two, three weeks deciding if I made the right decision or am I actually doing it? Um, and I think I did. I've, I've, the three albums I picked are still my favorite albums I've listened to of the ones I have. Mm -hmm. Because uh, I tend to just go down my own route, uh, genres, I guess. Um, I listened to a up here, uh, Bean of Truth, a hardcore album. It's uh, kind of a mismatch. Uh, a lot of hard. They've got a lot of guest vocalists and guest bands in on it. Very, very cool hardcore album. I almost made it into the top three, but it didn't happen. Uh, the Dr newest Drain album. Uh, I think I put Drain's album of the year, for, not last year, the year before, I think. Yeah, it was the year before. Yeah, I'm saying I just wasn't quite as good, so I felt pretty bummed out putting i didn't want to put it there because it just wasn't as good uh to be fair the carnival corp sound this year was fucking brilliant but it does get slated every year and I, you guys must be so sick of listening to cannibal corpse right now so i couldn't i couldn't deal with martin giving it another two <laughs> I just couldn't do it. so you I went decapitation instead well yeah but i thought that, at least that was interesting i thought Mar it might have a novelty factor for martin i'm like you know people can surprise you they usually don't, but it might. Um, other than that, all I've been doing is playing a lot of Baldur's Gate 3 with a friend online and uh, trying to fit an Elden Ring with James. And uh, I've just been painting Warhammer as usual. Other than that, just, yeah, wanking and smoking weed. So everything's good. <laughs> and uh, Martin. <laughs> this is the point where I, I tell you a story about my life. And oh. I've, I've got a lot oh, going God. on and stuff. Gracious, um, oh, it's going to be a long story. It's like 70, <laughs> like, nearly 70, 20 years to 70. When I was young during the blitz. <laughs> We had to hunker down and eat our own fingernails for sustenance. Yeah. We used to eat tables. <laughs> we eat tables. Uh, I'm planning it on for this story as well. So I, I <laughs> this has given me what? Uh, fast show vibes. And I, <laughs> I was very drunk. Very drunk. This is the thing that's been on my mind. It's been like the whole idea of when you. You go to the corner shop and it's never a corner shop. It's always like a couple of shops down it's on the street but it's not actually on the corner you call it the corner shop and we call them the premier shops the premier yeah, yeah, yeah. these days 
What's the deal with corner shots? They're not on the corner. You get down there to like get your bits, don't you? So you like you get a few beers. Yeah. You just to call it a corner shot. Yeah, a corner, a corner shot. Why do they call it a corner shot? Why do they call it a corner shot? It's actually a corner shot. It's a corner shot when it's on a corner. It's not on a corner. It's not a corner shot. Oh my god. My life begins today. That's what's freaked me out. I'm like, I'm getting corner shot, babes. I'm going to get some bits now. And it's. My lady friend is going, it's not on a corner. We didn't actually call it the corner shop until uh, 1997 when so the when yeah. Pimpola Pasta came out. Yeah, before so, that, it was just known as the, uh, the the shop on the street that we all go exactly. to. And yeah, people, people kept saying, yeah. I'm going to the shop on the street that we all go to. Well, and for years, nobody. Yeah, it, that's the thing as well. We always call it. It must be a spa. <laughs> it's usually a premiere. We go, I'm nipping co op. And it's, it's not a co-op. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not a co-op. And I go in there. Mm-hmm. I, I've never heard anyone do that. I think it's just because people are lazy and can't be bothered to learn the name of something new once it's changed. Yeah. My premier is, in fact, on a corner. I think this is fake news. They're all on corners. I've never seen one not on corner. This is fake news. Anyway, you go in there and you buy your thing and you maybe want to buy, like, just... A couple of pints of milk, right? And you wake up in the morning, you go, I want my wheat a bit, but I've run out of milk. I'll nip down the corner shop. I'll pop down the co op, like you call it these days. And you go in there, and it's like you get your two pint of milk, and it's you buy your green top milk because green top is the perfect consistency. Not, it's not too creamy, it's not too watery. So you wait a bit, it's safe, okay? It's all about the wheat a bit. And Patreon he goes to the counter and it, it's always a friendly Asian guy. It's always a friendly Asian guy. And he's, you're right, fam, it's £1.40. Like it, it's £1.40. But I'm like, okay, can I pay by card? And he's, yeah, sure. And, but it's a £5 limit. I'm like, what? It's a £5 limit, man. So then you spend these awkward moments walking around the shop just trying to make up the fucking £5 limit. <laughs> Turn out with... Yeah. I don't buy a fucking yeah. yeah. I bought a push pop the yeah. other day. Yeah. Like, what the fuck have I bought a push yeah. pop? I bought two birthday cards and I don't know anybody who has a birthday coming up. Don't even know people. I, don't know people. <laughs> I bought a packet of Maryland cookies because they could be a take a break. And when I walked out, I was like, I paid for it. It came to me £6.14. pence. I walked out I was like, that's a peak experience. And I realised that the moral of the story is that... Don't ask some modern stories. A packet of cream crackers does not have enough nutritional value to give you all of your nutritional needs as a healthy and balanced diet. But yeah, that's my life. Do you remember at the start of this podcast, you said we'll try and reduce waffle? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I do you remember thought. you said that? You just gave us your shopping list at the corner shop. I, I did. I thought that was going to be <laughs> just a, to get to some sort of compliment. Custard creams, there's not enough in a pack. Yeah, you've been missing out on, on all this scintillating talk in uh, having not been on the last couple of episodes. Right, that you, was the shittest story I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I don't even think it's going to make it. might. I'm I'm going to leave it in just to show why we're finishing this podcast, I think. You should have gone, I should have been early on this. You'll notice, you'll notice, keen viewer, that we don't have a show with Martin that's going to be continuing going forward. You'll notice his name wasn't featured in the list of shows. (laughs) 
coming up in the future. And now you know why. I'll talk about a band that I re- Well, I went to Morrison's. Here we go. It's nothing to do with Morrison's and all the other Waitrose and stuff. Okay, so I really love post punk. I fucking adore post. Susie the Banshees, The Cure. I fucking love that stuff. That follows through to my taste in punk music. And McCluskey are one of my favorite bands of all time. I fucking adore them. I've recently got into a band called Mets, and they're spelt uh, capital letters M E T Z. And it is that kind of scratchy, fucking, you know, gnarly in your face. Just there's not much musicality to it as such. It's just pure emotion. So I, I really love this band. And if any of you are interested in any kind of that style of punk, kind of intelligent punk, like clever punk, He's prodding you guys right now, isn't he? He's just going, I'm just going to prod you and go, they're all stupid, apart from this. I I love it when people... The good bits about punk, elder punk, and replace it with Bristol University level music appreciation. Alex, you just explained it perfectly. That's the style of punk. The, the one album that I can't I've see. had enough of your music story. <laughs> this is it. This is I'm the last way. episode. <laughs> <laughs> you can stick your pretentious <laughs> punk music up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to McCluskey. It was okay. Six out of ten. McCluskey like. Because it was like punk music. You know, people who never heard punk music. Uh, It's fucking genius. It's fucking amazing. So I've been listening to a lot of also revisiting the Holy Bible by the Manic Street Preachers again. And that that sums it up. It's intellectual music. And exactly what you said, Al. It's guys who go, I want to do punk, but they they fucking read a lot of books. I fucking love that shit. Just, it's... It's not punk. It's It's not punk, though. It's just brick rock. No, it's It's punk. Yeah. It's the early phase. Jim, what have you got? What have you got for us? You haven't been on the last couple, so you've missed all this um, scintillating conversation. It's been devastating. <laughs> so it's good to make up for it all with the corner shop story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> can, can, yeah. Follow that, James. Just, just think if you've not <laughs> if you'd not been able to appear on this one, you 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 would have had to get that secondhand through listening, yeah. and you wouldn't have been yeah. here. And it's, it's certainly one of those where you have to be here. Exactly. All the listeners will have been there. Like, what's going on? Yeah. See, uh, actually, it was, it was yeah, a perfect package. story. Start, middle, end, yeah. suspense. Yeah, yeah. Twist. End of a twist. It, it was basically <laughs> a, a Christopher Nolan film in story form. Yeah, and if you think oh, anything, it's not media literate enough. Anyway, yeah, like m- music that, I, I, like Tom, I thought last year was a bit meh for the most part. Mm. There were some great albums that came out, but all of the previous years I can think of had more great albums. Yeah. But yeah one, one that I found I, towards the end of the year was King Creosote's new album, which is oh, fantastic shit. if anyone hasn't heard it. So I haven't listened to King Creosote for about 20 years, but they've been going for ages because they're, I first yeah. discovered them because they they did that songs of the uh, ballads of the book, which is actually ballads of the book is a album that everyone should check out. It's a, it was I think it's like Arts Council Scotland. And it's basically they got loads of poets to write poetry and then they got loads of bands to perform to turn them into songs and King Creosote are on it. And it's brilliant because all the lyrics are fantastic because it's all poets. This is this is the first thing I've listened to them but to buy them. And yes, it's excellent. I I actually would have nominated this album for album of the year, but for the fact that it's got a final track called Drone in B Sharp. 
brilliant joke. Simpsons did it first. Mm-hmm. And it's 36 and a half minutes long. Bringing the oh, album to an hour to and 23 minutes. So like, it could have been so, a really yeah. solid 45 minute album. They were just like, ah, fuck it. Let's just make so, absurdly long. <laughs> There's an album that I really wanted to nominate for album of the year this year, but I didn't because I know it would get panned because it's two and a half hours long. And it's an album by a Japanese DJ called World's End Girlfriend, who is incredible. And everything he's done is I saw Anthony Fantano slated that one. He slated it, but that's just because Fantano's wrong. Although the thing is, Fantano Fantano rated Liturgy really highly, and they're not going to make the top 10. And he was right. Stop saying it. I don't like your pretend uh, might not make it, but pleasantly surprised it it does. I will be very pleasantly surprised if it does. But Fantano about World's End Girlfriend is wrong. World's End Girlfriend is a very clever musician who combines Fortet and post-rock, basically. I would quite happily listen to a six-hour album. Two and a half is fine. But that's because I don't care about vocals. It's fine. But I didn't nominate it because it would be too long. Time for some predictions and some honourable mentions. I'll go first with some honourable mentions. There's no point in me doing a prediction because I've, I've already seen all the results. The other guys, as we normally do this, don't know what the results are. The three that I did nominate were Black Rainbows by Colin Bailey Ray, which was my favourite record of the year. Desire I Want to Turn Into by Caroline Polacek. And I also nominated Jesse Wears, That Feels Good. Albums that didn't quite make it. I also really loved Geese's 3D Country. It's like a drug trip on Piote in, in a American desert. It's a fun, good album. Very strong, psychedelic rock. 10,000 Gex, uh, an album by 100 Gex, hyper-pop outfit is crazy. I love it. Everything Harmony by The Lemon Twigs. It's like a, a soft rock power-pop album. It's got some really good songs on it. What Happens to a Heart is one of my favourite records of the last 12 months. I've also got Noah Forever by Noah. They're like an electro-funk group. Lewis Cole is the drummer, and Genevieve Artadi is the singer. They're great. They were at Glastonbury. Catch their set if, if they play next year, because they're fucking incredible. Lana Del Rey's Did You Know That There's a Tunnel under Ocean Boulevard. I thought that was one of her best records, if not her best record. I really like that one. Maps by Billy Woods and Kenny Seagull being my favourite hip-hop release of the year, I'd say. Just above Nas's Magic 3, and probably Scaring the Hose by Big Big Mafia and Danny Brown. I also really liked Hell Mode by Jeff Rosenstock. I know Jim, you weren't a massive fan of that one. There's also Anoni and the Johnsons. That was a a good good soul record. That's called My Back Was a Bridge for You to Cross. There's also Laura Groves' Radio Red. I saw her live. She's great. And Durand Jones' soul album, Wait Till I Get Over. That's also another really good record with a cover of uh, Donny Hathaway's Someday We'll All Be Free, which is excellent. Those are my albums that didn't quite make the list. Everyone else, give me some that you haven't nominated. Let me know what you think has one and um, uh, any that you want to do well. <laughs> Honourable mentions very quickly because they didn't make our nominations list and they probably should because they're on a, they probably should be mentioned. Boy Genius, the record, was a great album this year with Julian Baker who released my song of the year a year or two ago. Mm. That was a good album. Feist released a solo album called Multitudes that so was a bit more stripped back. That was really good. Wednesday, Rats or God, that's a fantastic out. I'll say alt rock, but it's in that sort of country rock, but dark vein. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I really I enjoyed Shame released Food for Worms. That was good in post-punk. 
Yola Tengo, This Stupid World. It was another Yola Tengo album, yep. but if you like them, you'll love that. Big Brave, Nature Mort. That's a sort of shoegazy type album. That was really good. Zulu released a new Tomorrow, which is a really interesting blend of hip hop and hardcore punk. Mm. That was a fantastic album. Anna B. Savage, who has one of the most interesting vocal styles at the moment, released In Flux. I don't think it's quite as good as her debut, but it's still fantastic and it's definitely worth checking out. Algiers released Shook. It's definitely more abrasive Mm. than their previous records. But if you like Algiers at their abrasive, it's really good. The Slow Readers Club released, uh, I think it's called Knowledge, Freedom, Power. That's... uh, very 80s inspired uh sort of post-punk paramore this is why actually a surprisingly really good, good album yeah black belt eagle scout their album is shoot female fronted shoegaze that was really good my favorite two albums that i didn't nominate were fucked up released the album one day which is post-hardcore craziness and Go Go Penguin, Everything Is Gonna Be Okay. Yeah, that's a problem. Uh, that album is just beautiful. That was my most listened to album of last year because I used to put it on at work when I was dealing with nervous people. So those are that's my honourable mentions. In terms of my favourite album of the year, I did nominate was Liturgy 93696. It's just, it's brutal. It's really clever. It's very atmospheric and I absolutely love it. It's not for everybody. If you can't deal with screaming, it is not going to be for you. For me, it's a 10 out of 10 album that's probably verging on my top 10 all-time albums because I'm quite happy to spend an hour and 20 minutes listening to that. But it's very long and you might find it a difficult, difficult thing to get through, but it's very rewarding if you do. My prediction for what's going to win, I've flipped up quite a lot. I actually think it's a bit of an outside pick but my prediction is probably that i think 100 reasons have actually got a good shot of winning this because i think they're a band that nobody in this group hates and we all know from previous episodes that if it gets sixes and sevens across the board with a couple of eights and nines it's got a good shot of winning it so i reckon i'm going to go out there and go I'm prob I'm almost certainly wrong because I've been wrong in every prediction every year. But my prediction is hundred reasons. Uh, what what are your thoughts? I normally I swear I nominate them every year because they're quite a prolific band, but I need to get tanked, so there's no point. I really like the new cannibal called some Kale's terrific. It's really good. <laughs> no one else is going to agree, and I couldn't be bothered to just nominate someone that's gonna get instantly wrecked i i didn't um i really enjoyed uh, the uh, drain second i thought you were gonna say drake auto listeners their first album i loved and i did nominate it it didn't do particularly well in the album of the year no i was the only one who liked it <laughs> no, so their, their second album i mean percy is not quite as good so i didn't want to put it forward i, I don't like putting four albums of bands where it's not as good as their previous one. How can how can I say it's how many year when even I was mildly disappointed? Uh, but Drain Living yeah. Proof really, really enjoyed. But- Honestly, this year has been an absolute wasteland for me personally. Yeah. I really have really I, I haven't really found much else that's really gripped me. Yeah. And to be fair, like Tom put forward hundred reasons and like me personally, that's my album of the year. I absolutely loved it. Good man. Uh, my prediction is Spiritual Cramp. I said it about a couple of days ago to James. Yeah. I'll keep going with it. It's, it's a good album. It's just objectively quite good. 
<laughs> I wouldn't yeah. say it's amazing, but it's quite good, which is, tends to be what wins. So. We don't like amazing stuff. We only like quite good stuff here on the <laughs> stuff We can all vaguely agree on. <laughs> yeah, never mind. I think, safe pick. Yeah, we tend to nominate stuff like a lot of us, me particularly, will nominate stuff that is a little bit marmite. So we might nominate something that's amazing in its genre, and sometimes that crosses over and appeals to everybody, like Chatpile did last year. But in I mean, general, was an outlier. That, that was just objective. Yeah, right. that's a great record. Like that was really good. That was an album that I was so glad I discovered, and they were very good live at Arctangent this year. I should add. Similarly, with Turnstile <laughs> the year before as well. That's a kind of yeah genre album that everyone can get on board with. Things I wish I'd kind of, in hindsight, wish I'd predicted. Queens of the Stone Age. That album is that's a good fucking one. amazing. It's going right back to what what the Queens of the Stone Age were trying to do. Also the Shame album. I'm a massive Shame fan, but you know me, I'm, I'm all about the indie post-punk thing. And my prediction for winner, it's a difficult one. Do you know what? I, I think I, going by how you guys are talking, I think hundred reasons might get this. And Jim. Yeah. It was like my, my highlights of the, of the, of the year rather. Obviously I mentioned King Creoso earlier. Mm-hmm. There's also Bruce Control's debut album. This DIY punk band from Wigan, fucking excellent. It's called Useless for Something. I'd highly recommend any punk fans to check them out. There's a new album from Pew Pew Pew. Oh, yeah. They've got a very silly song about how the one of the guys just before lockdown in 2020 decided to sell his PlayStation, and then <laughs> lockdown happened, so this song's about him trying to track down the guy so he can buy his PlayStation back. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Merry Wallopers as well. Absolutely amazing, upbeat Irish folk. Managed to get to see them a few months ago, which is pretty ace. And what do you think will win? I think that there's a reasonable chance of Spiritual Cramp as well getting liked enough. We'll talk about it later. Let's find out. Let's find out. We will begin, as we always do, in 10th position. And making their first appearance on the Cacophony Sessions is an artist from New York City. She spent her youth in Connecticut and was part of Chairlift, a pop group from the late 2000s throughout the 2010s. This is her second solo release. It's one of my picks, and Tom will be happy. It has made the top 10. This is Desire I Want to Turn Into You by Caroline Polacek. Yeah. I thought this is an exceptional album, I think. Like, in terms of pop, it's perfect. I believe maybe my song of the year. It's got Pet Shop Boys kind of synths everywhere. It's just big. It's energetic. All the songs are different. I can't get songs like Sunset out of my head. Everything is meticulously designed to be an earworm. And the more you listen to it, the more these songs stay with you and the the deeper the earworms infect you. And I'm singing these songs all the time uh, without realizing it. I just think her voice carries a, a melancholy with it, but it's used so joyously it's like it's almost like a an extra synth because she's just got an absolute control over melody i discovered her through and initially she was all over blood oranges cupid deluxe which is now my love 10 years ago in 2013 she's actually featured on backing vocals throughout that album and has been involved in a lot of blood oranges work and chairlift i went back and listened to them they're exceptional this is just a, a brilliant pop album. I scored it at 9.3. I just think it's exceptional. Not everyone else did. What's everyone else's thoughts? 
Oh, I love it. I remember sending you a message, I think, saying when I first heard it, because I was at the time it was early in the year and I was still listening to everything as it came out. And I was like, Dan, you've got to listen to this. Yeah. It's great. Her vocals on point. What I? I think the Were thing I love. I'm yeah. the fuck off. Yes. I'm not yes. letting that go. I was going to sit here quietly and not you... rip on this album. Wait a minute. Okay. <laughs> I love it. And how, it's how like, can they be on point when they're dripping with auto tune? Oh my god, it was so fucking <laughs> well, Everyone you everyone you everyone all this fucking get Dustin Hoffman in. We need a hook. This fucking doesn't this music is unhookless. <laughs> what do you mean There's you need a hook? hook. This album There's is no choruses. Tr- it's just Oh. There's no the whole album. No, is it's a not, no, it's the whole it's album. Is a dream pop yeah. somebody going, eh, awful. <laughs> the reason this isn't number one is because I gave it a four. Wait, it's it, fucking, and I was being generous. Yeah. You don't like joy or melody, I, then they're not, you're not going to find anything in it. There's no melody. It's just <laughs> fucking crap, low key synth pop with some woman whispering. You know, when Jack Bauer on the phone, when he did that weird dramatic talking. That's her. She does dramatic talking, and that's her singing. It's fucking rubbish. Uh, and so, how dare you yeah. say she's a good singer? This is coming from a person who's actively in clown posse are good, so I'm not going to allow you an opinion. <laughs> oh, on this. I was um, going to yeah. oh, be good. I was going to be good. I really enjoyed it because it's, it's so for me. It's like a lot of the instrumentation is very similar to M83, who I will always love. And it's she takes like the this bunny is a rider, for example. That's a great song. Sounds a lot like the sound. It sounds oh, a lot like all the other much. chart music. Weirdly, it sounds a lot like the other chart music around at the moment, which I normally hate. And then about halfway through the track, she just deconstructs it and makes it a lot more interesting. And I was like, okay, that's quite cool. But I think the thing for me is that throughout the whole album, there are two bands that it sounds like a lot that she's clearly referencing. A Pretty Impossible is the perfect example of this. And she clearly is referencing Saint Etienne. Yeah. A lot of the album sounds like Saint Etienne. And a lot of the album sounds like Stars. And Dan knows that I love Stars. Mm. So any album that has moments to sound like stars, I'm going to really like. Yeah, I even like the and, Dido feature on it. I was never a big fan yeah. of Dido, but I think that feature works, and, and Grimes as well is yeah. featured on that track. Yeah, I, so I wrote in my notes, it's a nice touch that she's duetting with Dido because Dido's influence is all over this record. Yeah. And then there's the track Smoke, which reminds me of Churches because the chord progression is really Churches. And then the drum beat that comes in halfway through sounds like the Prodigy. And you'll notice if you listen really closely, they actually have the hay from Firestar. Oh, yeah. It's just, it just appears just before the drums come in, which I thought was really cool. I think the chorus on Welcome to My Island is one of my favourite choruses mm-hmm. of the year. I absolutely like, I just, and I believe sounds like late 90s dance music. Yeah, it's so, so yeah. good. I believe it's the I one was, with the uh, Casio keyboard orchestra hit sound on. Yeah, it is the one yeah, keyboard orchestra like, hit. Like I can't work out whether color. that's terrible or amazing. It's amazing. I, I gave it a 9.1. Mm. <laughs> oh, I know. Please. I really like this album. I think the only track I was particularly okay about was Sunset that Sunset. you mentioned mm. earlier. But it's just the like that Latin melody. And I think it reminds me of the theme tune to White Lotus that then makes me like it more. Mm. I mean, yeah. her voice on that song sounds like a sunset in the, in all its textures. Like an auto-tuned sunset. It is 
absolute hipster music, man. Like I, I scored it highly because it was well made, but it's one of those things where I'm never going to listen to it again. Sign me up, man. Yeah, uh, I, I, no, I liked it when I listened to it, and I was like, "That's a thing." And then I let it go. It's like it's come into my life, and now it's left, and I don't need to revisit. This is one of the, the one of the the albums that I've revisited the most and gained the most from because on the first yeah. listen, yeah. I did think it was like an eight out of ten. But then having listened to it about six or seven times throughout the year, every song has at some point stepped yeah. in and, and I've gone, oh, I really like that one the most on this album at the moment. Yeah. It's my third most listened to album of the year. Mm. Into ninth place. In at number nine now, this is one of your really? picks. Oh, no, yeah. Right. Everyone can pay me back now. <laughs> a hardcore punk band that was formed in 1979 really? in California. They're one of the old school punk bands. And this is their latest release, albeit with an altered lineup from their 80s yep. days. This is Adolescence with their 11th album, Caesar Salad Days. I'll be honest, um, with this album, I've never heard any of her other albums, to be honest. Like yeah. a revisit. Well, like, must have done. I, I mean, self like, like, like Everyone knows it's a classic punk tune Amoeba, right? That's absolutely... Yeah. Actually, can we add that to the list? Mm. That's an absolute jam. Amoeba's yeah. a Amoeba. Amoeba. I've never really listened to them. It's because when you do album of the year, you tend to... You go through the list and make sure there's... You, you go through albums in the punk music. And like, look, my favourite type of punk music is why me and Martin argue so much, because he likes newer ways or punk or like this stuff that's a bit clever i i just like california punk you know like the offspring and shit like that i just that's my level of punk i like no effects i i like that exactly like, even hardcore bands i like drain i like that sound the california sound is what i fucking love and these guys hit it perfect it's basically an album i would have listened to 15 years ago but now and the songs are catchy. I mean, there's nothing really clever to say. I think there are some of the riffs, like that. It's guitar-y sort of music. It's quite riffy. That The chorus is a sing-along. The only, my only downside would be it might be too long. There's 15 tracks. They could have cut it to 12. Some of the choruses are literally just repeating what the song's called. But other yeah. than that, I just really enjoyed it. The whole album from start to finish. I, I, I can't say every song's a mate. Every song for me is like a 7 to 8 out of 10 but consistently throughout the album. And I found myself enjoying it the whole time. I'm actually really surprised. I wasn't expecting to be talking about it because I was assuming everyone would just give it a five or six. And just, but that's I what I did. I thought this would yeah. survive. Lowest. I wanted to the Offspring 10 years ago yeah. and I love the Offspring. Yeah. That's why I like it. This is the lowest score I gave anything, which this just sounds like the Offspring to me, but with worse production and even bluesier guitar lines. No, we need bad production. I've had enough of you production snobs. Okay, it makes no difference. I just didn't enjoy this. It, there's like a lot of the guitar solos rip off Chuck Berry quite well, a guitar, bit. I, I will say this now. They might be the worst guitar solos I've ever heard on any album ever. I fucking, them. That's what I like about it. <laughs> I like the fucking... I, that's what I like about it. It's real people play real music. A bit shit. There are some good songs there. Surf Rock City's all right. It's got a surf rock beat in it, but it's fine. It's an adolescence album. It's nowhere near as good as their 80s stuff. They've been putting out records over the last sort of 10, 15 years, but none of them are essential listening. I just like it because it's riffy punk music, which you don't really hear much of now. The production is not supposed to be It's unflashy, like, isn't it? It's not supposed to be it's amazing. It's unflashy. It just sounds wicked. It's, it's got some awesome... It's got some awesome choruses. I don't need to listen to 
Martin and Tom's Bristol student rock. Well, you know when you get the sound waves and you max it out to make sure the E string sounds really fat. Like we don't need that. It just needs to sound good. It needs to sound catchy. It's just that's all you need. The songs are good. Songs, guys. Do you remember songs? I've seen the list. You got yeah. before. Do you remember what a song was? The amount of I albums did. I've listened to um, this year, which didn't have choruses. Fuck me. It depends on how you define the chorus, because I wrote that several of the songs were just a chorus and I wanted a verse. Nah, that's fine. We just <laughs> need a chorus. That's what fine. I wrote. <laughs> just a chorus. Yeah. That's what we need. Make it sound fat. Here's a good album. Witty, you said earlier that it's nowhere near as good as their stuff from the 80s. And yeah, it's not, but it doesn't have to be. It's still an enjoyable punk album. Compare it to what, what other punk bands from the 90s were bringing out now, like Offspring's album from... The, was it last year or the year before? Oh. But terrible. Yep. Yeah, not and great. Yeah. Stuff for Green Day been putting out recently. When you compare other bands to the adolescents, everyone else has declined a lot more. This is not an album that I would actually listen to as such as I'd put it on if I was holding a, if I was hosting a beer party. And Sometimes that's exactly the kind of punk that I like. It's just yes, it's a is. bunch of dudes in a house throwing beer over each other. That's what that album meant to me, and I it was enjoyable. It was fun, but I would never yeah. be sat on a train with my earphones in with the album on, going, "Oh, what does this mean?" I would never do that. It would just literally be. And that's the thing that there's two ways of music for me is like music that I listen to that I like have on my earphones and it means something. And I'm going through a massive Mark Kozilek phase at the moment and very introspective American kind of like folk stuff. But then there's some music you just go, the only point that this exists is because there's a party going on. And the house party, I would stick on the Adolescence album and just fucking go with it. It's, it's just fun. It's a laugh. There's nothing serious about it. There's nothing to think about. E- even as a musician, I, I don't think I would get anything from it as far as inspiration is concerned. It'd just be like, yeah, I'm having a party. Whack it on. I think sometimes, I think it's been for years, I've, I've been fighting the uphill battle because you guys want to listen to music and self-reflect on it and make sure this is new and it in like revolutionary Sometimes all i want is a good song yeah all i want is all i want is a good song you have just absolutely articulated exactly how i feel about music oh, sometimes you just want to go do you know what i don't give a fuck man i, I don't want to think about it it's just a soundtrack that's why i'm such a big acdc fan i, I could intellectualizes acdc or van halen who does that you just put it on. You just put it on and go, fuck yeah, and you feel something. And that's what I thought okay. about the adolescence. It wasn't about the music. It wasn't about the musicality. It wasn't about anything to do with the production. It was about, like, do I feel something? It made and me yes, happy. It, did. it made me happy, too. I was just like, this is fun. This is a laugh. I just cannot listen to more mid-tempo electronica with no choruses, and you guys tell me it's amazing. So what's, what's the next album going to be? I bet it's some 83. Yeah, what is it? What is it? Just ahead, in eighth position, is Martin's first appearance on tonight's list. Formed in France. It's fucking M83. <laughs> but it is. Yeah. Known in France as M. Catrabatois, or in English, M83. They used to be a duo, but now it is just Anthony Gonzalez. 
This album is their ninth studio record, and it's called Fantasy. So, Martin, talk to us a little bit about M83. This is awkward, considering about the conversation me and Al just had. I never saw those scorches up front. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great album. Me and Al just went into a rant about music just being about fun, and I'm totally into that. I, I like my music to sometimes just be walking to work just to put me in a good mood. Exactly like what I was saying before, it's like sitting on a train, headphones, and immersing yourself into it. It's beautiful. I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with that whole 80s new wave post-punk thing, and I have fallen well out of love with shoegaze. I, as soon as something says that, oh, the shoegaze, I turn off now, when shoegaze used to be my raison d'etre. As so to speak, as M eighty three would say. Yeah, that's exactly how they'd say it. I, 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 as soon as I get that, I still love that little. What happened with shoegaze was that mix of electronic Depeche Mode, New Order style synthesizer stuff with effect guitars. M eighty three are that band. They are that kind of like mix of the new wave, but also a little bit of shoegaze and stuff. And I just like this album because I don't know. It's just quite uplifting. It's quite, it's quite affirming. It's when you're feeling shit about life, you listen to it and go, "Do you know what life ain't that bad?" It's like you still got it going on. It's okay, man. It, it it feels like a comforting blanket. Is what that album feels like, and that's all I'm going to say about it. I really like this album, but I've been an MAC three fan for years. I bought before the dawn heals us when it came out in 2005 and then went back to all their previous stuff i I wrote in my review of this album it sounds like every other m83 record but i love everything the band's ever done so i'm not gonna mark it down for being an original one of my picks sounds like everything the band's done for 20 over 20 years as well but the thing for me with m83 is whether you'll love m83 or not will depend very much on whether that massive blissed out synth sound does anything for you it's very slow it's very ploddy if you listen to that synth sound and like me like when the track the best example of this the tracks us and the rest there's this bit where the synth kicks in and if that kicks in and it sounds like a musical orgasm to you you'll love this album if it doesn't, that's what you're it's all about. It literally yeah. takes me right back to the yeah. 1980s. 1987, when Depeche yeah. Mode, orchestral maneuvers in the dark, talk, talk, and yeah. all of that stuff. I think of this as something bigger than that. It's like Roxy music, in a sense. It's got glam elements to it. It's funny, I hear all these people talking about these references, but really, this is just post-rock with synthesizers. Mm. That's bit, what this That's what this is. It's, a it's post-rock with synthesizers. It's than that, because it's um, vocals. It's just not... And they started off as a post-rock band mm. with guitars, and they've gradually just started doing the same thing with synthesizers. Now, for me, that isn't a bad thing. For Alex, it definitely is, and I can see him itching. I'm, I'm not saying anything. I gave this album a nine, and I stand by that score. I will say that it's barely the fourth best M83 album. In order, you've got Before the Dawn Heals Us, Saturdays equals youth, mm. then hurry up, we're dreaming. That's what then So, because so, all music is like reductive in the sense that we're all influenced by stuff in the past. This band at this point are orchestral maneuvers in the dark. They literally are. They yeah, and there's a modern equivalent. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's a great thing. It's just that I, I think 
there's so much stuff from the 80s that is now become so fucking like it's permeating most music now that there's an 80s sensibility you know uh as it's much definitely more, fashionable getting that sound that, it's that fashionable sort of yeah. sounds coming back absolutely it's, it's definitely coming and back. Yeah. i totally welcome it because it was organic back then it was organic because we didn't have digital production and processing and it was all moog synthesizers and going back to my statement about uh two boy army our friends electric it was very organic that's back now everyone's wanting that sound organic synthesizers i fucking love it it's the 20 to 40 year cycle right so all music will come back into fashion so now synths are back in and they were in the 80s everything comes back around and in the 90s Britpop existed because it was guitar-based pop music, which was what was everywhere in the late 60s. So it's just the cycle. I mean, even now, I love the metal riffs are back. Like, yeah. it's weird. Yeah, yeah, they are. Exactly. It all comes in cycles, and it's usually somewhere sort of 20 to 30 years from when it was last in, it comes back again. And, yeah, new metal is back. Not being negative, because... This wasn't my favorite, to be fair, out of all the ones nominated, I think it was my least favorite, score-wise. Sorry, second worst. I do really like the song Ocean Niagara. Ocean, yeah, I loved that one. I was like, my, my review yeah. of that was, I wish it was longer. I, I, <laughs> I, I quite like the hook on that one. Oh, but for the most part, this is hookless. Dustin Hoffman is needed. <laughs> There's a few songs I liked on it. I wasn't massive on this album. I scored it a 6.9. I think it's, okay. it's similar to how I thought the adolescences. It's just, it's very much... Like their older work, just like not quite pop, as strong. Like dream rock, like what, what? I don't know what the term is for. It. I, I called it for the um, what's that band you guys love? And I absolutely slayed every time. Oh, my bloody yes. Valentine. For me, it's like that. So if you like that sort of music, this album's gonna be the tits. It's gonna be like really good. But I just hate that. I just I can't go over that. Yeah, you hit just, the, you've hit the yeah. nail on the head right there. If you like it, yeah, 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 yeah. Love love it. it. <laughs> if that kind of style of music is not your bag, you're not going to like it. You're not going to connect, and that's fair enough. I really like Cornwy. I like Dismemberment Bureau. I like Deceiver and Earth to Sea was probably my favorite on the record. So there's like four or five tracks that I will go back to it and. Unlike the adolescence, I'll probably end up in rotation. But I don't think it's an exceptional record. It's under a seven for me. I like what they do with their sound. It doesn't take it into as deeper places as their earlier 2010s and some of their 2000 stuff. But I don't dislike it. You guys must have this as well, where you know where it's just not your genre and you know objectively it's not that bad, but you don't enjoy it. How do you score that? It's impossible. Yeah, there's a few that haven't made the top 10 that have got some extremely low scores that I didn't i couldn't score you can't compute with it you can't compute. it based on my enjoyment level rather than what i felt the proficiency of the music would be yeah. my because... scoring comes in i'm like i listen to it i'm like does it connect with me first and foremost i'm like do i like it do i do i enjoy it and then i go i don't but i really get the fucking what's going on i get the production i get the musicality of it i'm like that's nice and i'm like that's perfect so uh, I have to like try to score my stuff objectively and go, what were they trying to do? What were they going for? And did they nail it? And I'm like, they nailed it. Even though it's yeah. not for me, even though I don't connect with it, it doesn't mean it's not good. Yeah, but do you have any thoughts on them, um, 83? Uh, it's fine. Nice synth. I did think a lot of the bass on the album sounded pretty lovely, but it's mostly not very interesting to me. I like my 
synthy stuff to have a bit more energy to it. Yep. But yeah, it was fine. I'd have it on as background music. We'll move on then into seventh place from Southampton. Sanguivore is the third full-length album from metalcore band Creeper. Metalcore? Um, I say metalcore, but this wildly swings into a more gothic rock metal direction than their previous punk-oriented releases. Okay. Oh, talk to us a little bit about this well, album. I'm confused by the term metalcore because they've never been metal or metalcore. They're, they're metal and punk, so they're a metalcore band, but they don't do it at the same I, I, time. They're a band I've, since their first EP, um... They're punk pop yeah. bands. Their first three EPs were punk pop, and that's why I love them. Yeah. Because for me, it's some of the best punk pop ever made. I love them. And I still maintain the best power balance of any band, including on this album. The last track is a belter. Mm-hmm. Since they got signed to run records and their, their touring um, keyboardist, who is also a female singer, she joined on the first album, well, officially, and then she got involved. And everything they've done since... I've enjoyed less than their EPs because everything they do it goes further from what I liked about them. But the last album I didn't nominate because it just wasn't quite my cup of tea. And to be honest, this album wasn't my cup of tea, but it's so catchy. And for me, this album epitomizes a grower. Like every song, once you listen to it a couple of times, it's just such a belter. I listened to an interview with the singer, Will, I think his, his name is. Yeah, Will Gold. And he pretty much said, like, we were really influenced to this album by, like, just 80s music. First yeah. two songs. Tom says the last, I, I disagree on that one. The first two were obviously Meatloaf inspired. No yeah, it's there. very bad. Hell, that was the first thing I put in my note. My review on this album was that Jim Steinman isn't dead. He's yeah. chained up in Creeper's basement. Yeah. That's my review of this album. Like, this album, for me, like, it's just, like, it's, I think it's very anti what the rest of our list is in terms mm. of it's a straight rock album where there is just big choruses. Kind of, They've gone for catchy lyrics, catchy choruses. They have the electronic bits because obviously it's very 80s. I think, James, you said, like, it was Sisters of Mercy, was it? Well, there's all those yeah. bits. He's just doing Killing an impression Joker of Andrew well. Eldritch the entire time. Yeah. It's a very retro signing album, but this album has reviewed really well. To, I don't know what Pitchfork said, Tom. But... I'm not sure I saw their but, review of it. I, I saw a lot of reviews of it, and it did review pretty but, well. But it I did review myself, pretty well. When I first listened, I was like, I did enjoy it, but I didn't love it because... In my head, Creeper's a different band, but at some point when you're 10 years past what you liked about Creeper, you've kind of got to get over it. You know? <laughs> yeah. On repeat listens, I found myself, out of all the albums this year, this is the one I've listened to a lot more than the rest, and mm-hmm. I find myself really enjoying it. The, f- the first one's a belter. Like, Further Than Forever is the name of the Yeah, okay. and I, yeah. I would say Will, their singer, is probably my favourite singer at the moment. I He's love great. His, I... I just love his voice. His his highs are so good. Not in a technically good singer way, but when he really projects high, it sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. And it makes every big chorus sound massive to me. Yeah. And I love it. And I, I like his low. So it's kind of, of course, this is a mercy to all of this. But like, mm-hmm. I, I just really like this album. I, found, I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it. It's It just really it hit hard for me. I, there are flaws to it. 
Like the spoken word bits between them just makes it sound a bit wanky. It's unhealthy. Just everyone's going to overlook those bits because they are just a bit shite. I kind of like it. I like the idea of a, a themed album, which is like someone getting bitten by a vampire. Yeah. And it gets away with theme like it that. It gets away with things though because it's quite silly. Yeah, it's a little bit campy. Because it's, yeah, bit... because it's got that meatloaf melodrama to it. I've written in my notes that the lyrics to something like Teenage Sacrifice could have been really problematic if it wasn't being sung from such an absurd point of view of like all the, this vampire I think that's theme. my favourite song young as well. It's good. Like... I, I, this is the album that I like the most outside of my own picks. This was an 8.5 for me and would probably make my top 10 records of the year, maybe? Yeah, I, earlier, I do apologise. I was ranting about how there's there's no choruses, there's no, there's no hooks or anything. This is... All yeah. choruses. This is all hooks. These are all sing-along choruses. Yeah. Even if you don't even like the music that much, it's just, there's no way you won't hum one of these songs. It's got appeal for everyone because it's, yeah, you say it's re- it's retro-sounding, but it's distinctly modern as well with the yes. production techniques. It's, it sounds like a 2023 mm-hmm. album. He's got a spin-off band called Salem, uh, which is more back to what I like about original Creep, which is just punk. So they now the have punk that. Sound, yeah. So I can't be annoyed they don't do that anymore because he's now doing that so i'm pretty happy but i just yeah. you know if the eps were allowed they'd be in my top as well but i just really like it it's just that it's just that simple i think it's catching yeah I, I, so so about it. I did hate it really? and but there, there was a redeeming feature my review of this album goes like this the spoken word sample is possibly the cheesiest thing yep. i've ever heard and i absolutely hate it the melodies are perfectly nice but it, i hate yeah, I know. I, this album for me was a three out of ten until Black Heaven came on, and Black Heaven is an undeniable banger. That yeah. song is fucking sublime, and it could actually be a tender for song of the year. And I hate the rest of the album, but the verses sound like what would happen if somebody dressed the bravery up in goth gear, and the chorus is just Sisters of Mercy. And I was like, "Yep, yeah, that makes this a six out of ten. Love you more than death. Oh, so good. Kudos for you referencing the band The Bravery. The fucking <laughs> yeah. Bravery, man. Who else knows that band? It wasn't that obscure. They were massive in 2003. <laughs> so, Mark, what do you think about them? What do I think about them? Well, I, I had In my notes, I had one word, and the word was Bauhaus. Yeah. 80s goth energy, which I love. I absolutely adore. Like I say, I'm into post-punk and the 80s, like, killing joke stuff. I love that stuff to bits. So straight away, when I first heard it, I was like, it sounds like Bauhaus, Sisters of Mercy, the early cult, flange guitars and all that. I was like, yeah, I dig it. That's all I've got to say about it. I think this album, Modern Sun, shows... It's not necessarily how much you enjoy the album, it's how it sits amongst the albums you've listened to that day, if you know what I mean. Like, you can listen to a lot mm. of a certain genre or something, but then once you get some of a couple of bangers on, you go, actually, no, this is pretty good. If you've had two dream pop albums in a row and you have that one, you go, you might give it a higher score. <laughs> I think yeah. you might, you might right. be one of those. You're, you're right in the sense that I listened to all of the albums that were in our list in one day, and I'm like, kind of, I'm in the mood for a particular thing. And it's really difficult to score an album when you're not in the mood for that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah it really is. I think when we do these things where we have to score albums, I need to listen to the albums 
like way in advance and live with them. Yes, if only we had the opportunity to do that. Do that. Exactly. You know, <laughs> uh, and lately I've been in the mood for very introspective slowcore. I'm, I'm really into slowcore and that's what I like. So when I hear something that is the opposite, which is very like extreme and in your face and stuff, I'm like immediately going, oh, I'm not really in the mood for listening to this. And then I have to score it somehow. What was cool about the Creeper album was I had a reference point because I, I absolutely cannot stop listening to eighty late 80s post-punk. Joy Division, great reference point. But it fit with that. That's why I enjoyed it more than maybe some of the other albums that we have talked about. I thought it was fine. Musically, it was all right. There were songs of, that were just like straight up classic rock and, you know, who doesn't like that? But then there's all of the bits where they're just channeling the zombie bones of meatloaf, and the, like that, there's bit, bits where the zombie bones, <laughs> zombie bones of meatloaf. There's there's bits where it's almost a bit power metally, and the singer's trying to do this power yeah. metal thing, and yeah. he's just not a good enough singer to do power metal. And then you've got the Sisters of Mercy bits that are just a bit weird, and I feel like. He's not doing his own thing. He's just doing Sisters of Mercy in the same way that on the other stuff, he's just doing meatloaf. But yeah, no, it's it's fine. I think I gave it a five. So yeah, it's, it's not well, terrible. It's, just, it's not good. I'm not an expert. The majority of metal vocalists, I don't like at all. And when I can get on board with the vocalist in the way that I can get on board with Will Gold from Creeper, then I think that's a pretty good sign that he's got something to his voice in that genre. But as I said, not an expert on metal. So take my opinion with a pinch of salt there. In sixth place is another one of my picks. Glad to see we put last year's not nominating any of my albums debacle in the bin. Don't say we didn't try. <laughs> you tried, you said. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of my favourite pop artists working currently. I did go to see her last year. So you check out my November gig review where I went to see Jessie Ware. She was featured on our list in 2020 with What's Your Pleasure? But this is higher up in the list. This album, which is called That Feels Good, is an upgrade. I think that she's got a cinematic sound to her funk and soul she's going for. And I just think that this is impeccable. I think all the songs are well-constructed. I think live they worked. In the studio they certainly worked. Great music, great hooks. The vocal performance on something like Pearls is out of this world. I love Hello Love. I think that's a great track. Begin Again. There's so many songs that on this I've been listening to all year. I think Pearls is my most played song of 2023. I've played it something like 25 times, something like that, um, which is a lot more than any other song from this year. I think this is exceptional. It's not my favourite album of the year. In fact, it's my, I don't like it as much as the Caroline Polacek album or the Corinne Bailey Ray album that I nominated, but it's good to see Nor that she got over with you guys and she's finished in sixth position tonight. So that feels good. It's just quite catchy, but I can see why you like it. If you listen back to it, if I just said to you, if Prince sang over it rather than her, it would sound like a Prince album. That's why you like it. I mean, <laughs> this has got more of a Stevie Wonder old school vibe to it than a Prince record. Her last record, What's Your Pleasure, has more of a Prince electronic record. I gave this a higher score than I'd have given a Prince record. It's still my third lowest score of the oh, year. Wow. I didn't tank any. I didn't hate this. I could score this 5.9. I scored this higher than I scored her last album because... I like it better than the last album. It is never a genre that I'm going to love. No. I'm never going to love, I'm never going to love 
disco and that's really what she's going for on this yeah, album it is a, whereas her last record. album i gave like a three because that album floated whereas this one has a bit of balls to it and i think the reason it's got a bit of balls to it is james ford's production from simeon mobile disco yeah and instantly because what she, the songs she's writing the melodies she's writing are very similar but whereas that album meandered i say this and this isn't something that appeals to me but it's full of floor fillers Whereas her previous album wasn't. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's a lot more mid-tempo stuff on that last record. Yeah, whereas this album has more floor-filling disco-type yeah, stuff. Yeah, like Free Yourself and is one of the big floor-stompers yeah, of the year. I think I've heard that's been on Radio 2 yeah. on rotation for the entire fucking year. It's great. And, I'm, and my nurse puts Radio 2 on, so I, have, I am sick to death of that song because it's not a genre I like enough to hear a song played 375 times. <laughs> but the first... 50 times I heard it, it was great. <laughs> I can see why Dan likes it. I can see, and I see the improvement in her as an artist, but lyrical focus on sex, disco instrumentation, I'm never going to score this high. It's like she made I, it to it, try and it, annoy you. It's literally the ingredients of this album are everything I hate in music. And the fact it didn't get a three tells you it must be good. But it's not getting more than the 5.9 out of me if you're doing this genre. That's as good as it's ever going to get, but it ain't good. When, when I was listening to this, I, I just found it refreshing <laughs> just to have songs again. Just a nice verse and chorus, which and the chorus is catchy. You said that on Creeper. <laughs> yeah, it's refreshing. Yeah, but, not, yeah, but they're not mine. They're, well, they're not mine. I, mean, I also, just, be fair. also started wondering, like, for the rest of the year, what are you doing if you haven't heard a chorus for a year? Like, no, and- <laughs> well, I'm just saying that to you guys. And it, she's got... This album was pretty good, actually. Uh, she's got a few duffers on it. Beautiful People was crap. That's one of my least favourites, but having heard it live, it's got a bit of energy to it, and I, I like it more now. I can't deal with spoken it, yeah, word verses. It just it just screams that I could be asked to think of a melody. But like, <laughs> I quite enjoyed it. it, was, it like you say, it's, it's just kind of upbeat disco, and you can't really go wrong with it, can you? <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, there are definitely some duds on there. There's songs that... I would be perfectly happy if the album didn't have them on. But the good songs are so fucking good. Free Yourself. Obviously, Tom's been barraged with it all year by the radio, but I've never heard it before I started listening to it for this. But yeah, that Freak Me Now is a banger. Mm-hmm. That Feels Good is great. Yeah. like the, the Just like w- when it's full flow disco, absolute packed dance floor anthem level, Mm. that's when it's at its best yeah, I agree. and that's why I've, I've scored which it which is why it was so good really highly like, I fucking adore disco funk you know I'm a big Goldfrap fan you know I love that whole sleazy Studio 57 thing going on Free Yourself mm-hmm. is my song of 2023 I don't think I've listened to any song more than I've listened to that song it just absolutely embodies that sense of just freedom, man. It's fucking beautiful. I adored this album. I scored it quite high, I think. Yeah, you scored it quite high. Yeah, I think pop music in general is in that place at the moment of where, where people are being more experimental and everything. But just to go back and go, again, Studio 57, disco funk. It's just go back to basics. Just go back to, does it sound fucking good? And it really sounds good. It just fits with that sexually free thing that was going on back yeah. then. I love it. <laughs> good choice, Dan. 
it's not explicit. It's not exactly darling Nikki or something like that, but there's certainly a wink and a nod. There's a lot of innuendo in the lyrics and she's just having Absolutely. fun with it. Like like it's, it's an innocent side of sexuality, I think. It's it's not sleazy. It's just, mm. it's just very... It looks like it's fun. Yeah, I'm on my big female pop star empowerment phase at the moment. All three of the albums that I nominated were women. And it seems to be in the 2020s that I'm really digging a lot of female pop stars, the likes of Caroline Polachek, the likes of Jessie Ware. And yeah, they, they, they seem to be making my favourite kind of records this I year. I think they're, they're making music on their own terms. And instead of relying on overt sexuality, they're like... The sexuality is coming out, but it very much in a sense of it's not about the sexuality, it's about the, the who they are. Normalizing sexually empowered women, which I think is a great yeah, message. Uh, we'll move on. In fifth place with 36.1 points, it's Jim's first appearance on tonight's list. Uh, hey. So you have made it, Jim. This is a nomination from the Scottish genre of Misery Punk. This was a band formed in 2017. Goodbye, Blue Monday have released an album called Let's Go. Goodbye Blue Monday by Goodbye Blue Monday, which is the most ridiculously named album I've, I've ever heard. There's not a lot of information on this. They're quite an in independent band. It's quite a short album, but there is one really long song on the album, which is a bit of a, almost like a sweet. Jim, what, what's your thoughts behind this one? Misery Punk is what they call themselves straight up pop punk really this whole yeah, album yeah, just like, yeah. the sound. catchy yeah. catchy songs catchy choruses catchy riffs gang vocals it's a fucking phenomenal album and then to add into that you've got a 16 minute pop punk track that actually works really well it's my favorite track on the album I didn't like it as much as Adolescence. I scored it a 6.3. It's, again, a, a fine album. If it had come out in 2004, I might have been impressed. But this, they come out, it come out now. There's a 16-minute song on it that I, did, I thought was totally unnecessary. It has that post-rock bit near the end of it as well, doesn't it? I love this album. Admittedly, as soon as you've got a guitar band with a Scottish accent in vocal, yes. I'm, in, I'm instantly on board. Band roots. I don't know um, where this comes from, but yeah. But this, so the thing is, this sounds to me like a bit like a watered down Dan and Anacroid. I love Dan and Anacroid, and absolutely love that band. And so you've punk. got the fact that like they them. they've got no, but there is a lot of similarity in some of what the guitarists doing and in the vocal style, which I really like. They've got. Two of the best song titles of the year. I'm a fucking coward and my anxiety is breaking oh, me. It's a great that. song title. I hated and it so I'm old and I'm fat and I still hate myself. Yeah, it's a great I song title. There's a lot of Blink 182 in there. And I was I wrote in my review of those two tracks particularly. If you imagine Tom DeLong and Mark Hopper's vocals on these tracks, it's almost like the album I wish Blink 182 had released instead of the shit that they did. Once and then I wrote that, it's nothing like Blink 182 or like no. <laughs> You Those two songs like were very similar. Jesse, where's that one? Ah. Like, Tom DeLonge guy. Yeah, Blink Way Two. I want to listen to. It's, what are you on about? Nah, it's, I definitely, hear it's definitely. <laughs> I know. So it's there's the instrumentation in those two tracks and the chord sequences sound is quite no, Blink One Eight Two. And it's not. It's I don't it. think they sound much like Blink One Eight Two at all. Um, but it was only those two tracks I wrote that on. You know, those two songs had a definite feel. But then. Harakiri, the 16-minute song, that is the thing that made this album for me because the intro yeah, guitar to that, the, it, it, the intro to that sounded like Smashing Pumpkins. Then it was pop punk. 
And then about 11 minutes in, it went to something a bit more like that Scottish anthemic thing that we were promised jetpacks and Frightened Rabbit do. And then the ending bit with a solo and the chorus sounds like something that Weezer would have done in the 90s. And I was like, I was all on board with that. And so this, I really enjoyed this album mostly because of the 16 minute track which is near which is what a, a third of the album's yeah. runtime is yeah, one track much. It's, um, it's very funny when was, you see them live actually because they'll yeah. play a few songs and they'll just go oh we've only got two tracks left and obviously <laughs> yeah one and of them is 20 minutes, minutes. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i went to say yeah. like fuck it up i've lost all of this 20 minutes ago well at least it's good to know I'm they've got designated cigarette breaks within their set for me personally, I've said it earlier, me and James have quite similar music tastes when it comes to this sort of music, but this is one of the the few deferrers, you know, this is how we differ in our opinions, where I felt like it was a little too, you know when you get like a folk band where there's like four guys singing the whole fucking song? That's yeah. what I got with this yeah. album. Sometimes I felt like they needed individual vocalists just to make the bigger bits bigger. Some of the songs were so good though. Like I really liked Trap 2 just that, oh no, you know, this may be triggering. I really like that one. Yeah, I didn't really get on board with that because they had all these very postmodern song titles, but I just felt the the, the song the, I, it was very I, dated. My, my favorite concept. songs by them were the ones where the, the lyrics were more based around anxiety and mental state stuff. I feel like it needs to be lowered down a little to make the sing-alongy choruses bigger. But when when you're not mm. crowd vocaling everything all of the time, apart from me, it's just like I don't know who to vote this. I don't know what he sounds like. It's just, it's just four dudes going. Nah, 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 nah. It, was, it was good. I did enjoy it. I, I, I thought I gave it seven. I wasn't even eight, but I decided against it because I'm a bastard. There wasn't. It was a little bit too close to the singer songwriter side of punk. This is on the social distortion side of punk, rather than the offspring side of punk. You know what I mean? I'd say there's way less country influence and. Um, Way more tempo to this than social yeah, D. It wasn't yeah. quick enough yeah. for me. It just it, there, there were some things where I'm just like, it sounds like a worse beat stakes, but with crowd vocals. There's something about this where I was just like, I do like it, but I don't love it. And I couldn't mm. put my finger on it. It's the same reason why I don't love Rancid. Every song I listen to by Rancid is good, but I don't love it. And I don't know why, because everyone else loves them. If I watched them live, I guarantee you I'd really enjoy it. And I, I, you get to see four dudes just screaming their Barbie wanker in the front going, yeah! <laughs> and I'm sure I'd enjoy it. On a CD, I'm like, right, lads, turn it down. Who's the vocalist? I want to know who the vocalist is. <laughs> it would have been a lot better if they hadn't used the axis chord progression. Tom will know what I'm on about. They could have what they do, but if you use that chord progression, then you should not be allowed to play music ever again. I scored it a 6.3. If it hadn't had the 16-minute track on it that made it at least that something different, I would have probably scored That before. was the redeeming factor. I was like, they're going for something it's a fun bit more interesting. Yeah, completely unbalanced idea, and I don't think they, they achieved it, but I think it at least put some respect on the fact they tried. Thing if you, I think if anybody ever uses the access of awesome chord progression 
then you should stop playing music because it's the worst chord progression of all time. It's fucking horrible. In fourth position, scoring 36.8 points. Another appearance from Martin on tonight's list. This is reminiscent of all the post-punk that we've been talking about in recent years. We couldn't expect nothing less than a post-punk nomination from Martin. The second album from Dublin band, The Murder Capital. And the album is called Gigi's Revenge. What a beautiful band. Uh, Absolutely stunning. I'm still in the honeymoon period of Fontaine's DC. Uh, I'm never going to get over that, really. Just there's something very authentic about it. And the song... Ethel just makes me cry every time. It's basically a guy and his woman, and they're talking about having a child and what they're going to call the child. And it's the life that we all are living right now. This It's not metaphysical. It's not cosmic. It's like kind of the mundanity of the real life that we live is writ large in this kind of like post-punk landscape that they create. I fucking adore this album. Again, I think this was okay. I scored it at 6.7. I think I am a bit post-punked out after all the shame (laughs) albums and the Fontaine's DC albums that we've had. I think the post-punk revival has now, to me, just become a little bit pedestrian. There are some really good songs on this, though, and I did think it was, as an album, I think that individual parts are stronger than some uh, like skinty fear i didn't really enjoy that album last year this one's better than that a thousand lives is a really good song i really like that one the stars will leave their stage which i thought was really good so there's a couple of highlights on there and i didn't hate it but i think yeah i think i'm just a little bit fatigued with post-punk albums quite a few in the last few years all of which i think are around about a six to a seven at most it's not my bag right now but yeah some competently performed uh, music the vocalist is called james mcgovern i don't think he's got the sneer that green chen has i think he's a little bit more subtle than that and that can work because it means there's a little bit more variety to the album but i think that yeah, ultimately, uh, I scored this a 6.7. It's a decent effort. Do you know what, Dan? I identify with everything you said, because as much as I am obsessed with post-punk, and especially the revi- revival of post-punk recently, last few years, it's all about wanting to recreate that late 80s vibe. I get it. There's a lot of it, isn't there? And it's what hits with you emotionally. And for me, this album just hit me emotionally. Uh, same with the Fontaine's yeah. They hit with me, and there there are other bands of this kind of genre, like Idols, who I do not give a fuck about. I, I'm not interested. But what you just said was really interesting in the sense that I get that actually. I get that I'm a little bit post punked out. You can't get it too much. You're not like, yeah, it actually, is a bit rubbish. No, no, no. <laughs> what I'm thinking about is like kind of when we talked about the Jesse Ware album when I'm fucking. Actually, as much as I love all my post-punk and my glacial, icy fucking, like... I'm not thanking the scores now. I just want some disco, man. I just want some good times. I think what you just said was fucking really valid. That was really valid. Thank you for that, man. Let me think about it a bit more. Thank you, Daniel. Do you know what band this sounds exactly like? This whole album sounds exactly, exactly like the band I Like Trains. Exactly I don't know. Like, I, I, no I like trains. No, no, I, I, I like trains are like this, but with choruses. That's a bit harsh. That's I, a really good band, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah right. trains are brilliant. Um, I like this album. 
but I had some problems with this. It's very influenced by like Interpol and editors and that style of thing. And I was quite enjoying the album and the tempo dip in like track six and seven, the, the album isn't a massive sounding album anyway. And when belonging, just the belonging was crap. That track just took all the wind out of the album for me. And it didn't have that much to begin with a thousand lives. I loved the keyboards intro. It annoyed me because the build was great, but the band never quite got to the point I wanted them to get to. Hmm. And the thing that annoyed me even more is that I'd read live reviews about this band where apparently they do hit that high. And I was just like, why is it not there? Mm. Because you can hide uh, a like lot the of, only uh, lacking talent live yeah. by replacing yeah. You can. Track Only Good Things. I really enjoyed that. The outro to that was killer. But there was a bit too much meandering. So I like this style of music is my style of music. I like the not scratchy end of post-punk. I like the polished end of post-punk. That's what I like. That's what this band do really well. But it wasn't a classic for me. I gave it a seven. I broadly agree with Tom, really. Like, it was good. I really like the vocals. A lot of the tracks are vaguely reminiscent of early Bad Seeds stuff. I really like the title track, Gigi's Recovery, but I'd, as a whole, I don't think it goes to the level it would need it to be like a really great album. That's kind of what I, I'm feeling on this one as well. It was okay, mm. rock, and I just could not go over the vocalist. He was shit. He can't sing. Why is he a vocalist? That, it's, it's like me doing it. Just because I sing in his voice, I can make an album. Fuck off. Guess what he can sing, man? How did he get signed? That was that, that, that shouldn't get past the pop level. That was a pretty accurate oh, representation. And if you want to hear Owl's post-punk album, it is available that's now. How easy it is. That's how easy it is to be a post-punk band. I will do vocals. I'll play the drums. We're, we're to a world play drums. Chorus. <laughs> we're going to move on now. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> Cracking the top three tonight and scoring 37.3 points. This one is one of Tom's choices. So you've done well again this year. This is my first one in the top 10. Last year, I got all three. <laughs> I'm tired of uh, This is another band that we've actually discussed before. And this is Texas post-rock quartet Explosions in the Sky, who have released their most recent project this year called End. So Tom, talk to us a little bit about Explosions in the Sky. Little disclaimer, I've loved this band since the early 2000s when they released their debut. And it's been quite a while since they did their first sort of standalone album. Their last standalone album was 2016. Yeah. It was The Wilderness. Because in the meantime, they've been doing film soundtracks and yeah. stuff. And first things first, this sounds like an Explosions in the Sky yes, album. It yeah. Yes, yeah. it does. <laughs> that is um, what it sounds like. like. <laughs> like it does sound I, like one of their yeah, albums. yeah. <laughs> Explosions in the Sky invented this kind of genre of post-rock in the early 2000s. And the thing is, what they've done over the years is they've gone from releasing albums with four tracks that are like 13 minutes mm. to condensing these post-rock epics down to four or five-minute songs. Now, they've probably done that for radio play, if I'm being cynical, but actually it means that it's putting the album down into digestible chunks and... Whenever this band go big, because they tend to, they always veer towards a major key, no matter what they do. So they'll go massive and distorted, but it's always going towards that major key and the big, happy, blissful payoff. 
the whole time. Every track does it. I dare anybody to listen to the track The Fight. And when the guitars kick in at the end of that track, if you're not feeling like you want to punch the air, you have no soul. It might not be up there with their earlier albums, but their earlier albums were so good and defined an entire genre and sparked thousands of imitators. Explosions in the Sky aren't as famous as Mogwai in this country, probably because they're not British. But if you listen to post-rock for the last 20 years, so many bands are copying what this band did. And it's really close. They're really close to their best and they're, they're close enough that it's still an amazing record. Every track has a payoff and has a, a crescendo that it builds to. Yes, there's, apart from It's Never Going to Stop, which has a groove that rescues it and it's got that really cool Philip Glass-esque piano line that, that's really great. Yeah. But yeah, every track has a payoff. It's just beautiful. The guitar performances are lovely. The production, as always, is really crisp. They've refined their craft to writing songs rather than 15-minute epics, and I think that works better in the era of Spotify and my short attention span. There's not songs. When we talk about Nathma... Top songs of 2003. Yeah, I think I might be it. But uh, Nathma, like... But for a phase of an asthma, I think, like, obviously they had their doom metal phase, but they had their um, post-rock phase. I don't know. I don't, I don't, would be yeah. more like still in really, that. but yeah. yeah kind of, um, I kind of just wish they had a singer, because at least you could add depth to their layers. I used to make fun of James for an asthma, because you can start the song, 30 seconds in, it's quiet. Skip to 3 minute 30, it's loud. And that's what this band is. And I, I don't dislike it. It's quite good. But I just wish there was, I just wish there was more to this band. Sometimes I wish they had a singer. Sometimes just to add emphasis or a song at least to the music they've got. Because music is good. There's no way around it. It's just it's objectively good music. Like I will listen. And go. Oh, this sounds nice and transient. And then oh, it builds up and it builds up and it builds up and then it's oh, it's big sound explosion and then it ends right. Times up by ten. That's their their album. Yeah, I agree with both of you here. I I, I agree with what Alex is saying. I do think that because I am familiar with their other projects as well. As I say, I like their two thousand three album, and that's a a lot more deep than this. And the songs are longer. <clears> and I do think that yeah, from time to time, it would be beneficial to have something different vocals to maybe give some character to the song because it's hard to define where you are in an album. it's it, it, You have to pay attention to it at all times. Um, but I agree with Tom in that I, I think that it does sound great. They're fantastic. The, the musicianship on offer here is immaculate. It sounded very good. And there are so many bits to this album that I really like. Tom's mentioned Never Gonna Stop. That was great. I liked Moving On. I liked 10 Billion People. Mm. There are some really good songs within the, the context of this. It I will listen to it again one day, but it's not something I will actively go back to put on all the time, even though I did an 8.1. <laughs> and ultimately, it's nowhere near as good as their better records. Yeah. Well, also, but their also, better records defined an entire genre of music. Yeah. So it's very hard to argue that the earth is not a cold, dead place. It, that is a 10 out of 10 album. Yes, it is. You know, yeah. It is, well, it is yeah, a 10 yeah, out of 10 It defined an entire genre, but it's exactly what I said about Mogwai when Martin nominated them two years ago. I was like, it's not as good as their other well, albums. That album was boring. But saying this album isn't as good as 
some of the greatest albums within their genre of music. What I was trying to say about my own comment is, yeah, it's not as good as their earlier stuff, but they're so good at what they do that they're not as good as their other stuff is better than a lot of what was released last year, in my opinion, because I didn't have a great year for music. Yeah. That's why this got nominated. Yeah, then it's our higher. I was talking to James mm. about the album. I mean, you know, we, we do discuss every now and again the albums as we're listening. Uh, I'm going to take James's yeah. words out of his mouth, so I do apologise. But it's, it's an okay album, but it's an average one of their albums. But yeah. also, that's enough to make it this high. <laughs> no one who likes rock music can go, it's shit. It's it's pretty good. No, it's with- far from their best album. It's so much, so far inferior to The Earth Is Not A Cold Bad Place. Yeah. It still sounds like, like Explosions In The Sky. And it's still, mm. you, you can tell that it's that, but it's just, they're not their best. Mm-hmm. And there are other bands that sound like Explosions In The Sky that have, obviously, within the same genre, done similar albums mm. that are better than this album mm. but not in 2023 they didn't no have. no this is the best explosions in the sky-esque album yeah. of 2023 is that enough though like it is also their best album in 12 years because they've done film soundtracks in the wilderness which was good not great so their last great album was take care take care take care which is 2011 so they have taken their time to release yeah. this it's i think comeback of sure. if, I, yeah. i'm just going from quiet to loud for every song, isn't as clever as you guys give it credit for sometimes. Like that, it's just, it's not hard to build a song to something loud and then end it and then do it for 10 tracks in a row. It's not yeah. clever, but it is powerful. I absolutely adore the new Explosions in the Sky album because it's fucking lovely to listen to, but there is a template. There's a post rock template. It's let's have some melancholy chords, clean tone on guitar, arpeggiated. And then it slowly boils, you add a bit of fucking gain, and then it goes massive. And you, Tom, you know me, this is my bread and butter, right? This is my absolute bread and butter. I do this all the time. I'm like, how can I make this song interesting? Well, I'll just whack on all the distortion pedals and delay and reverb and go that way. But it really is. That's what Um, post rock is. When, when we say it's easy to I don't think... No, it's not easy to do. It's easy to do if you're very good at your instruments, which is what they are. Mm. They are very good at their instruments. And it's, it's, oh, it's easy to build. No, it's not. Like, if you write songs and you want to build structurally, it's actually really yeah. difficult. And they can do it very, mm. very, very, very well. The songs they have, it's just perfect. Mm. It is a good album. But I... I I would like to see them go in a slightly different direction. That's all. That's yeah, all. That's, I, it's definitely not easy to do what they do. Like to build progressively, like the way they do, the, the layering they do, yeah. especially when you do it live, yeah. it's very difficult. They, they're not doing that yeah. click tracks because it's actually pretty more difficult to record it, to be honest. That sort of live feel of being bigger. Mm. But I would just, I would personally like them now to not, mm. not necessarily go too far, but just to. Add a few flares in different places. That's all. What's the yeah. second place? Let's find out. A second place nomination for Jim. Keeping the album names quite simple. It's the self-titled debut on a major record label, um, Spiritual Cramp. They released a uh, they released a non-major label album in 2018 called Television, but this is their first major label release. So some people are calling it their debut album. Not uh, it's though. like Pantera's um, it, films, technically cover from hell, but not really. Yeah, <laughs> 80s yeah. hair metal. So, Jim, Spiritual Cramp, they're, they're a California punk band. 
So why did you go with spiritual? Uh, Car- California indie band. I don't want to say oh, punk. There's no, there's, fuck off. There's no way this is punk. <laughs> no, I, I absolutely love this album. It is. There are tracks that are pure garage punk. This is a punk album. There are like more indie tinged, like kind of Interpol level indie tracks on there. But mm. th- those are bangers. It's the garage punk that I love the most. The, the stuff like Slick Rick. I was one of my favorite yeah. Slick Rick. Yeah, and, and all of these, all of the songs on this album just get randomly stuck in my head for days on end. I scored this the lowest. I scored it at 5.6. I didn't really like this album that much. It gave me far too many Kaiser Chiefs vibes for my liking. There were far too many... The problem with Kaiser Chiefs is they're shit. It's, it's like if Kaiser yeah. Chiefs made a good album. That's what this would be. <laughs> Do you know what reminded me of was the Viagra Boys? It's not as good as the vibe. It, it had real strong Viagra Boys energy from this. I love Yeah, this I see that. I fucking loved it. It, it had groove. There was a sexuality to it. There was like a, a slowed down, yeah, let's fucking get into the riff kind of thing. And yeah, I was just like thinking about the Viagra Boys when I heard it. I was like, I fucking loved it. It's a great album. It's fucking awesome. I don't know who James likes him, but does anyone else get like if Nick Cave did indie? I, I think it was his vocal style. Where yeah. James like, it is. It just is. I'm not sure if the vote, like the lyrics content isn't, but just, I don't know. It was really, for me, it was really catchy. Like, like you say, the, the second track, Slick Rick. I mean, Slick oh, Rick. Me, what a tune. Yeah, like, Slick Rick. Yeah, Slick Rick. I listened, James, James told me to listen to it like a month okay. or two ago. I listened to it. I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. And then, whilst I was deep into the listening, uh, the circuits, as it were, there's a real, Real green light for me, this album. I, I really enjoyed it. I don't mind any music. It's just got to be good. Like, I can't deal with Kaiser Chiefs. And, and this, these, these guys were catchy. The fucking tunes are on point. Like, the riffs are cool. Like, the bass was amazing on this album. Like, yeah. My problem with this is that the whole album, I, I didn't really like the no. vocals. So, like, the whole album to me sounded a bit like Interpol mashed together with Green Day or something like that, which isn't a bad thing. Really? But yeah, and there's a very yes. Interpol vibe in a lot of the album. But there's also there's a punkiness that's more punky than Interpol ever were, and there's a hint of poppiness in the guitars. It's only the vocals that don't have that, and it's actually the vocals that I really didn't like. I was this, I wrote down there's a story about why Johnny Marr and Morrissey fell out. There is a point to this story. Um, and it's that Johnny Marr says that he wrote the best guitar riff he'd ever written. And Morrissey put the vocals on it afterwards. And the vocals that Morrissey put on it are some girls are bigger than right. others. And it's where there's this sort of, I was listening to the album and it's like Herbert's on holiday. The intro to that track with the bass modulating under that guitar. I'm like, that's amazing. And then the vocalist comes in and I'm going, now it's all right. Yeah, I love the vocalist though. I think his voice is fantastic. The vocalist sounds like he's mimicking that sort of 80s goth indie band vocal style. And if you're into that, you'll really like it. You know, when you're in the kitchen, you listen to it, you're just doing that with your arms. It's like a dad shuffle in my kitchen. I don't do it. It's just, you can't, you're not going to like hard dance. It's just a, a pleasant, steady beat the whole time, and it's catchy. And 
I don't know. I minced along. I did a mince. <laughs> you know, like, I really enjoyed it. I don't know what you guys did this. Like. The only song I liked that I could see myself dancing to or bobbing along to would be Catch a Hot One. I think that was quite a good tune. The one before it, Clashing at the Party, I really did not like that song. That was like, oh God, this is the Kaiser Chiefs again. Please turn this off. But yeah, I, I just thought this is this wouldn't make my top 100 albums of the year. It just felt like an inconsequential EP to me. It was fine. It does sound a bit Kaiser Chiefs. I just listened to a little bit of it. Um, it does sound a bit Kaiser Chiefs. <laughs> it, it doesn't mm. Once I heard that, I was like, I am not going to be on board with this record. And it, it surprised me in a few places because, yeah, Tom said about like modulating bass lines and they do, the music is a little bit more advanced than you'd get on t- a typical album of this genre, but didn't really like the singing, didn't really find that memorable, but that's it's just not my genre. It's not aimed at me. It's not really my genre either, but there's some good tunes. I mean, when you when you creep up to 40, sometimes you want to be of some rock tunes that remind you when you're 25. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> I'm not willing to let go of my youth yet. Well, it's time then for the winner. Come on. Is there really any point Cattle in, decapitation. in doing this? Because claiming the top spot for two years in a row now, it's Tom. This year's winners are an okay. English band in the midst of somewhat of a comeback. Yeah. It is, it, this is the most yeah. Cacophony Sessions podcast winner ever because it's bands who were really popular <laughs> in about 2003. have done nothing much <laughs> since, but have released an album that's scored fairly averagely oh, from everyone. Off. <laughs> I got it. I gave it a nine. The fifth <laughs> album from 100 reasons. Yes. That album is called Glorious Sunset <laughs> and it is the winner of the 2023 yes. album of the year. It's got... Big guitars, catchy choruses. The what more do I want from a record? No, there's no yeah. songs on it that everybody hates. There, there are elements to it that are fun from every different approach. It's got great vocals, and um, that's the strongest part for yeah. me. He actually sounds like a more refined version of the original lead singer of Zebrahead. I did like it. It suits shoes a good cho- a good tune. My favorite is probably So Soon. Yeah, my favourite. So so soon was a really good (laughs) tune. And yeah, there are lots of really good, strong, alternative rock. It doesn't sound out of place if it had been recorded at the turn of the century. So it's a strong set of songs. They have updated their sound a lot from what they sounded like in 2003. Like his vocal is much stronger. The guitars are much more polished. It's got a much more pop edge to it. There's big chorus, big pop choruses in the whole of this record. Every song has a big chorus. And I just really enjoyed it. I listened to it in February and I was really struggling. So this was my throwaway pick. As you might recall with my message, we went, fuck it, I'll put 100 reasons in. I listened to this album loads when it came out and I really enjoyed it. And I was like, can I nominate an album that's the first album in like nearly 20 years from a band who used to, we used to go and watch them play. They played it, they used to play it like the Cooperage. And I think they even played, yeah, I saw them there. I think I even saw them play it like somewhere like the Phoenix or that might have been Garrison who used to play with them quite a lot. And they used to play in Plymouth quite a lot. They were one of the few bands who used to come down. I actually saw them at the Cooperage. I saw them at Support Sensors Fail through the emo years in in Exeter. It's great that they are able to to come back and have a record that is as as good as this. It reminds me of Semisonic. They've got a new album out this year. There was also, for me, sounded like their old records, but isn't really 
anything special, but it's just, it's nostalgic. What's funny is you, this, this no. doesn't sound like their old record. This is the thing that I find funny because you listen to this album and if you listen to this album, you think, oh, this no. sounds like hundred reasons. If you put it on and then listen to a, one of their early records straight after, they don't actually sound very alike. This sounds like what you think hundred reasons sounded like 20 years ago, but it isn't actually what they sounded like 20 years ago. And it, that's what I find quite weird about this album. Cause I listened to it when it first came out and went, this sounds like hundred reasons. It's the vocalists really recognizable. They've got like poppy emo melodies over the top of distorted guitars. It it must sound like hundred reasons you listen to this and then you listen back to silver no it's not the same alex no, is nodding I, I as if he's agreeing with me on this because alex loves albums for me personally easily oh yeah like, I, like kind of reasons. I still listen to them i still listen to those other albums i really like other reasons this is i haven't gone back in a long time maybe that's why album. I'm like this isn't like coming back a bit strong like for me personally the lyrics were so good on this album like you can obviously like this is obviously now about guys lost his dad, right? Can we all agree on that? Like, yeah, his dad died. Yeah, no, he, he doesn't like his dad. dad. He's written an entire album based around that, and it's you can tell. Like yeah. the lyrics are so good, and the, the choruses are so strong, and the vocals are so strong, and like, you can't do better for me. Like I can understand if you want to write it off as a bit like Foo Fighters, where you think, oh, this sounds kind of like it's a rock album. I get that, I guess. Yeah, totally that's what I kind of get. But like, as a guy who's got a real soft spot, 2010 era British rock, like this, I listened to this five times in a row when when I listened to it. I listened to, uh, and I, it was like one of the last on on my listening uh, homework. I listened to it five times through. I listened to that last track, um, Waveforms. Waveforms that's is my a favorite good song the last yeah. five years. I, I like fantastic. I like rep- I message Tom saying it's the best time I've heard in years, and he's like, "Yeah, it's kind of it's worse than liturgy." But I'm like, no, fuck off! Look, I wish I'd pick this one. Like, I feel I almost give it a ten. Like I would have given it a ten. Just because by being the most enthusiastic person doesn't mean that you can retrospectively claim it was your pick. <laughs> One album, yeah, giving it the most praise. Absolutely brilliant. Like the song about like putting down the guy who's um, I can't remember. What it, I can't go through the track, but like you know about because he's a a bloke and he, he can't have his self esteem wrecked, but he's doing it quietly. And he's you know, it's just the lyrics are so it's good, man. The lyrics are so good, and the album was so yeah hard hitting. It was I don't know. I I really liked it. That chorus when it kicks in right there with so you. Good, I just want to absolutely um, <laughs> go nuts over it while uh, you guys can poo poo and say it's okay later. Before oh, you guys get everything okay, comes goes, in. Well, it's all right. <laughs> it's a, I wish there was no, some No, as songs, they were so good, man. They were so good. Anyway, go on. Continue the poo poo. They're quite good. Off, I, I, I was never really into 100 Reasons. Back in yeah, the day. I was never massive. No, so I didn't get the whole, oh, yeah, it sounds like 100 oh, Reasons, but tickets. modern day. It's, it's It just sounds like 100 Reasons and sounds like something I'm not massively into. Yeah. But it was all right. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably won't listen James. to it again. It was album of the year. Best album of the year. It was, it was okay. There some <laughs> yeah. songs on it. It will. It will. It will. Some vocal now. performances insane all the way through. Colin Duran is a great opener. I can't remember if it's track seven or eight. You know that one where he just has that scream to the last chorus? Where he just goes, like, like it was. Like, I think that's track eight. It's a new yeah. sort of thing. He's never done that before, but it was just, it was the, obviously the, the lyrical content was enough. Is his frustration at the... He just screamed like this. Oh, so good, man. Like, 
Sorry, continue. <laughs> like, I do appreciate the fact that they've stretched themselves, and I think that the very fact that they've got album of the year is obviously a sign that they're releasing good music because none of us have, have picked out anything that we particularly can take apart on the on this episode. Mine, do you have anything that you, you wanted to add about this song before we wrap up? Two, Two thumbs, thumbs up. up for Martin. <laughs> We've lost Martin's audio. And the shambles <laughs> that is the Cacophony Sessions is now going to come to a close. There is no what should we cover next time. We will be back next year in early 2025, which is crazy to say, but we will to present our albums of 2024. But you will see us in the meantime because we will be coming back. As I say, the Cacophony Sessions goes pop. Should be back next month where me and Al will be looking at the charts. Possibly Jim if you're free as well. And Tom, me and you are going to do a Cat News where we'll go over a more enterprising news show for what's going on in modern I, music. I want, you I might see... The uh, because on the Den podcast. I want to, I want to talk about like um, the thickness of mogs or something random. Whatever the fuck you're talking about. You're not called Dan. He, he just doesn't understand the rules. We'll, we'll, we'll have to. We'll have to let you I'm know. Getting under uh, how, dead. How, <laughs> I'm getting under dead. That sounds wicked. <laughs> and there, my victory is assured. Someone else has used the word Dan, and my work here is done. I could end the podcast just like that. But I'm not going to. Let's discuss one last song before we wrap up for the evening. About time we brought this up. Um, By Morgan Angel. It is from American rock band Journey. And the song is called Don't Stop. 